Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description of this stream right now where you can get your questions in there so we can get them answered on the show today. If you're watching this on the replay, I do wanna let you know that we put timestamps in here um, so that when you are watching this back on the replay, you are going to be able to skip around the stream. So if you are just showing up here, maybe you've never experienced this content before, um, just click around the timestamps or at least see the list of topics that we're covering during the stream today um, and see which ones uh, apply to you. Because during this stream, we talk about all kinds of things related to YouTube and it's all driven by the questions that everybody asks here during the stream today. So I encourage you to just kind of skip around and find the content that is the best fit for you and what it is that you're trying to learn or just sit back and listen to the whole thing and um, and just learn a ton about YouTube. Now, I also want to let you know if you are joining the stream today or if you're watching it on the replay, um, today's stream is brought to you, as always, by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you optimize your videos for discovery. TubeBuddy will help you um, find great video topics. TubeBuddy will help you test your thumbnails so you can make sure that the thumbnails that you are putting together are effective for the audience that you are trying to reach with your content. Content, um, all kinds of different tools. A lot of people think that TubeBuddy is just a keyword tool or a tagging tool, but in reality, they have over 90 different tools that'll help you with your YouTube channel. So you can try that out for free at TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin. There's a link down in the description below and Chantel actually just posted a link here in the chat as well. Thank you for that, Chantel. We are co-brought to you or co-sponsored by StreamYard, which is the live streaming platform that I use to live stream this show every single Saturday. And the reason that I do that I use StreamYard is because it's easy. I mean, if we just, you know, call it what it is, it's easy. Um, in addition to that, they make it really easy to bring guests on. They make it easy to add graphics on the screen like you can see right here, you know, as I sit here and I flip through, you know, different graphics how it's showing, you know, all this different stuff on the um, on the screen right now. That's just at the click of a button. Um, but in addition to that, they hold everything open for you in the cloud. And what I mean by that is where I live, I'm out in the boonies. And since I'm out in the boonies, sometimes we have, you know, electric flickers or internet flickers and things like that because of the wonderful infrastructure way out here. And uh, what happens is if the stream goes down for a little bit of time or something like that, then StreamYard holds the stream open so that I can come back in on my mobile device or so I can just pick everything right back up again once the power and all that stuff comes back on. So you can try StreamYard for yourself at StreamYard.com. Or of course, I've got links to that down in the description as well, as well as a bunch of other things that you'll find helpful or resourceful for you as a YouTube content creator. So make sure that you do, even if you're on a mobile device, make sure that you check out the description because there's all kinds of stuff down there for you as a content creator. So with all that stuff out of the way, hope everybody's having an awesome week. Hope you are excited to, you know, get into the nitty gritty of YouTube today. Um, I didn't stream last week, but I have to say that I'm like super pumped up to, uh, to be back here today. Not sure how long we're gonna be streaming today. Um, I've got like this weird thing going on with my back today, so I'm not sure how long I'm gonna be able to, uh, you know, sit here. But right now, I'm actually kind of in like a sweet spot. So as long as I can stay here, then uh, then, then we're rocking and rolling, no problem at all. So, um, so everybody that's joining us early today, I just want to thank you for you know showing up early for participating in the stream. Super excited to um, you know to share a bunch of information with you today. And if you are just joining us, I do want to remind you that the questions that are answered on the stream today, most of them are going to be pulled from the form that is down in the description below. Um, but from time to time, I'm going to be pulling them out of the comment section as well or out of the chat. So if you do have a question, make sure that you hold on to that question or that you put it down in the um, in the form that is in the description. Um, and if I do 
go into like a lightning round later in the stream today, or if I just ask, hey, jump your questions in the comment section, all you gotta do is put a cue in front of your question so I know that it's for me and not, you know, just a side conversation that you're having in the chat. Um, and then we'll get some of those answered as well. So if you're a Tube Spanner user, go ahead and get your notepads open because we're going to be dropping all kinds of great information today. If you're not a Tube Spanner user, of course, you can check that out at TubeSpanner.com as well. Um, it's a YouTube productivity tool, helps you with all kinds of stuff in terms of promoting your content and doing things like this here in the stream today, um, taking notes. So, um, so make sure you check that out as well. So here we go, let's get into it. First off, I just wanna say what's going on to LHN Family Gaming, nice to see you in the chat today. Chantel, nice to see you here as well. Hope that you're doing fantastic today. Magic Flying Potato, Brad, hope that you're doing awesome. Watch me on the big screen, that's what I'm talking about, love it. <laughs> Iron Wolf, welcome to the stream today. Gangish, hope that you are doing awesome. Pamela Gardner, hope that you are doing awesome today as well. So to get us off to the uh, right foot here, we've got Lenny the Lawyer um, dropped a super chat and they say, um, can you put a link to your website website the same way that you can have affiliate links. Also, how often can you use premieres? So um, for the first question, yes, you can put links down in your description to your website. Um, when you do that, just make sure that the website that you are sending traffic to is within the YouTube community guidelines in terms of you don't have gambling on there. There's no malware, anything you know weird like that going on. As long as you're an above the board website, then you're totally good to go. Um, in terms of the premieres, how often you can do premieres. You can do a premiere for every video if you would like to. Um, however, that's typically not the best approach to take. Premieres are best used when you have that thing to actually premiere. Because the idea of a premiere is, hey, we've got this special thing that we're doing that we don't normally do. Therefore, we're gonna kind of get the community you know, all fired up about it and showing up here at this premiere so that we can, you know, interact in the chat and, and all that stuff for that premiere. So if you're doing premieres, just make it something that's premiere worthy instead of doing premieres all the time is the recommendation that uh, that I have for that. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. And just as a heads up too, all of you that are content creators already, you're already in the system, so you're so you're fine. But here in the very near future, YouTube um, has actually put out information saying that they are going to limit description links completely for new YouTube channels. So that's not happening yet, um, to my understanding, but it's it's right around the corner. It's going to be happening soon, and uh, when that rolls out, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be you know weird about it. So if you do have a friend uh, or family member, somebody that's thinking about starting a YouTube channel, and you're going to need those description links, you know, right out of the gate, um, then in that particular case, I would go ahead and uh, I would go ahead and, you know, get down there and uh, just go ahead and create the account, go ahead and get the thing together so that you can make sure that you're kind of sliding in like Indiana Jones, grabbing your hat before that gate closes, so to speak. <laughs> but if it does close on you, if you do, you know, your friend, family member, somebody starts a YouTube channel and they don't have, you know, description links at that moment in time, not a big deal to be able to get it. But I'm just saying, you know, if you are somebody that would need that right out of the gate or you start channels on a regular basis for other reasons, um, then in that case, you want to go ahead and make sure that you, uh, get that all sorted so all right let's uh let's go ahead and get, get into this thing so basically we're going to hop into the form now and we are going to start answering some questions here about youtube a girl on her passport welcome to the stream today hope you're doing awesome rusty graffiti reviews hope that you're doing fantastic iphone chris hope you're doing awesome man thank you for the super sticker i appreciate it and uh, iphone chris says i got views and um and don't get subscribers to my channel so just as a heads up, you know, not everybody that watches your video is going to subscribe and it's actually common to have a low view to subscribe 
subscriber conversion. So, um, so because of that, every channel on YouTube is different in terms of how good they are at converting viewers into subscribers. Sometimes, you know, just how you set up the content or what it is that you say in the content or the how obvious it is in terms of the value that people are getting from you. Um, those are things that, you know, will cause people to um, subscribe. It's different for all of us in terms of, you know, how many views it takes us to get a subscriber. So the very first question that we have on our uh, list today is we have Aaron's House of Legos. Aaron, I hope that you're doing great, had a great week. Um, so they have Lego content and the goal of the channel is to reach 50 subscribers so that they can go live. And the question is, I'm categorizing my Lego videos in the how-to and style category, but I'm not sure if that's where they need to go. Can you please explain to me what category Legos, um, Lego videos should go in? So how-to is fine if you're showing people how to build Legos, but when it comes to YouTube categories, the idea with those is you want to get it as close as you possibly can. Um, according to my partner manager, or my previous partner manager, because I have a new one now, um, when it comes to your categories, the idea is you want to just get it as close as you can. And when you set it to the category that you choose, you're basically just trying to give the system a little bit of a help in terms of understanding what it, you know, like who it might be for. But YouTube has its own categorization system. So even though you might set it to something, once it actually gets in the system and the system identifies what your content's about, it's going to assign it to its own category anyway. So go ahead and just do the best you can, get it as close as you can, um, and then you'll be good to go from uh, from there. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going, hmm. so I got a little thing I'm working on right now. So you can help me out with this if you if you if you catch me doing it. So I have this little note over here, and this is something that I tell you know others to do from time to time. Ooh, I just dropped my GoPro thing. But anyway, I have this little note over here because I've been using a lot of filler words lately. I've noticed in uh, in my content, my live streams, and all of that. From time to time, it's fine, but it's starting to get to the point where it's something that I'm needing to work on. So I have this little note over here, it just says um on it, and uh, and and you know because those are ones that I use that I'm starting to use a lot. So I'm trying to keep that under control here during the stream. So as soon as my focus starts going away from that, then of course, you know, I'll start saying it probably more. But uh, for right now, that's just something that I'm uh, something that I'm working on. So the Creator Classroom is our next question here. The Creator Classroom says that they do Canva tutorials. And so if you're a Canva user, definitely check them out. And the goal of the channel is to help people use Canva. And the question is, I had my very first and second live stream this week. Congratulations to you for getting that out of the way. It says, my question is, after you go live and it closes out, how long does it take for you to be able to edit out some of the segments of the stream? And will it get rid of the live chat comments if you edit out a bit of the stream afterwards? Thanks so much for your encouragement and support of live streams every single week. So I'm glad that you are enjoying the streams for sure and that you're always hanging out here. You know, super appreciate that. I'm glad that you're, you know, enjoying the content. Um, but when it comes to the amount of time that it takes typically within just a handful of minutes, they'll have it processed. So if it's a shorter stream, then it's gonna process faster than if it's a really long stream. For example, this stream right here, because we're gonna be going probably for three hours or so today. So with this particular stream, it'll probably take it a while. Um, whereas like my news streams that I did yesterday, um, I actually have some of those pinned at the top of the screen right now, but for the news streams, with those, they'll, they'll, they'll be ready to go in just a couple of minutes. So it really depends on how long your live stream is. But in terms of the other questions, in terms of the live chat, if you do edit your live stream replay after the stream is complete, then when you hit that save button and it starts that process, then you are going to lose the, the live chat. So what you gotta think about is, you know, when I'm putting my streams together, is this particular stream that I'm doing, is this one that I want to leave the chat for? If so, I gotta make sure I'm structuring things in a way to where I can just leave that live experience for people to enjoy in the replay, or am I essentially recording a piece of content live to where I'll need to cut that, uh, cut the 
chat off. So for example, the piece of content live in my case would be the new segments that I'm doing. And then these would be the live streams that I do for the sake of the live experience. So when it comes to cutting those out, you just have to determine on your end what you're gonna be doing what you're trying to prioritize and then structure the content accordingly based on on the approach that you're going to be taking for the for the live streams nomadic introvert says question if i collaborate with a company and they ask me to do a review of their product do i have to put sponsor on my video all i have to do is tell my audience um thanks in advance so yes if they are giving you a product promotion or if they are giving you money in exchange for promotion or spreading awareness about their product or service, then you do have to mark your stream as a sponsored piece of content. And the reason for that is because sometimes somebody might not get far enough in your video to hear the message. And maybe you're doing it correctly, but other content creators might not. But basically when you are putting your content together, when you are letting people know maybe after you know you say the thing that you're gonna say, then in that case, it doesn't really add a lot of value to them if they've already made a decision or something like that. But the way that you do that, technically, if you wanna play 100% by the book, you need to market in YouTube. And then before you get into the segment where you are spreading awareness about that sponsored thing, then in that case, you gotta let your viewers know as well so you can do that at the beginning of your video you can do it you know once you get into the content itself but the idea is you have to let people know that you are um, that you are getting something in exchange for spreading awareness about that about that product carlene gaita thank you for the super chat as well says after monetization do i have to maintain four thousand hours of watch time yes you do but that's within a 365 day period so how that works is it's a rolling thing so a lot of you because we get this question a lot not what you're asking but we get the question about i keep losing watch time what's going on so basically youtube gives us a 365 day rolling watch time requirement that we have to meet in order to stay in the partner program. So every single day that passes, you have watch time dropping off. And then every single day that, you know, that you're publishing content, you'll have watch time, you know, coming back in. And as people are just interacting with your videos anyway, you'll have watch time coming in and increasing. So what you have to do is you just have to make sure that within that 365 day period from you getting monetized, that you reach those 4,000 hours of watch time again. And then the following year, you do it again. And then the following year, you do it again. And then the year after that, you do it again. And then you do it again and do it again. <laughs> so yeah, so absolutely, you do have to uh, you do have to keep meeting those requirements. So the uh, next question that we have, and I'm pulling this one here from the forum. <clears throat> Excuse me. So my girlfriend and I, I don't know if you can hear my voice right now, but uh, yesterday I was in like calls and stuff for like half the day. And then and then at nighttime, because I have like a little music set up over here. So my girlfriend and I, we're just being silly and we're like singing songs and stuff in there. And my voice is a little bit parched out today. Uh, I, I haven't spoken much today as an attempt to kind of hold the uh, hold the voice, but you might be able to hear that my voice is a little bit parched <laughs> today. Stormy Scale Rails Production is the next question here on our list. They do daily content. Um, the type of channel is mostly trains and some weather videos. And the goal of the channel is to have fun and eventually make some money. And the question is, when filming a worker talking at a museum or historical site, would you recommend having them sign a waiver or simply informing them that you plan to post the video to YouTube enough? We would also give them one of our cards so they could check out the channel themselves. Thanks and have a great day. Um, this is one of those ones where if you were playing by the, by the rules, um, then in that particular case, hold on, that's a weird, yeah, if you are playing by the, um, if you are playing by the, by the rules and you want to make sure that you are just 100%, I, I'm not going to say playing by the rules, even though I, that I did just say that. What I mean is 
if you want to fully protect yourself and not run any risk whatsoever, then having them sign a modeling contract of sorts is definitely something that you want to do. And by doing that, then that's going to give you documentation that you have permission. Now, sometimes people go to where they'll have them say on video, I give you permission to use this video on YouTube, even if you're monetized, you know, things like that. But technically, you want to have that piece of paper if you want to make sure that you are completely, you know, 100% safe. However, with that said, a lot of people don't. Like a lot of people just go out, interview people on the street, things like that, and they don't even worry about that sort of thing. They'll just have them say that on video as a means to get some type of confirmation for them that it's okay. Um, but again, if you want to play it 100% safe, then in that case, definitely have people sign modeling contracts. The same thing applies to if you have like a buddy of yours and they're, you know, coming on your YouTube videos in the event that you have a falling out with that person in the future, they can come back to you and they can, you know, try to get you to take YouTube videos down and things like that. So even if you have, you know, friends in your videos and stuff like that, it, it, again, most people don't do this and you're probably going to be fine. But if you wanted to be 100% safe and not ever have to worry about it, then in that case, even having them sign it, you know, for each video that they're on is something that you would want to uh, consider. Lenny, the lawyer live, thank you for the super chat, uh, for the additional super chat, says the Rode, Rodecaster Pro 2 uses XLR mics, but is there a way to use it with USB mics like Blue Yetis? Can it be used with an Elgato Stream Deck? So um, I don't have the 2 version of it. I just have the original Rodecaster Pro, so I'm not 100% familiar with it, and I'm not sure if it allows any type of USB connection or anything like that. I really don't know. I wish I could give you an answer to that, but I don't. Um, in terms of it working with the Stream Deck, absolutely, it works with the Stream Deck because the Stream Deck is a different piece of tech. So when it comes to the Rodecaster Pro, it processes your audio and you, you run all of your audio through it. You can trigger sound effects, things like that. However, when it comes to the Stream Deck, it's a totally different tool. So yes, you can trigger sound, you know, if you have everything routed correctly in your computer, but you can also use it to switch scenes and, and that sort of thing, open up software. So for example, in my Stream Deck, one of the things that I have programmed in here, because you can set up cascades as well. So for any of you live streamers, here's a power tip for you. It's gonna take you a little bit of setup time, but once you set it up, you're gonna thank yourself. So with my Stream Deck, I have one button that I press and it's called live, that's the button. When I hit that, it opens up every browser that I need because I have a bunch of different browsers open for different things, but it opens up every browser that I need. It opens up my live streaming software. It opens up Spotify, opens up VLC um, because I have to have VLC open to put the, the stuff on the TV, TV over here. So when you are, basically when I hit that button, then what happens is all everything that I need to go live opens up all in one swing and then I just go and just move everything into the right spot and then I'm ready to rock and roll. So um, just a little power tip for you there with the, uh, with the Stream Deck. So next up on our list here, we got King CMC TV. They do daily content, they do gaming content. How many gamers do we have here? How many, uh, how many gamers do we have here? If you're a gamer, just say me. But uh, the goal of the channel here is to get monetized and support my family. And the question is, I have vidIQ and TubeBuddy. On vidIQ, there's daily idea topic titles for my video topic. Should I copy the same title of the daily video idea or make my own title topic? Plus, keep up the great work. I love your creator mix. I use it for my stream. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're enjoying the, the songs or the music over there. So when it comes to those daily topic ideas, um, keep in mind that anything that gives you topic ideas, um, vidIQ does this, TubeSpanner does this. Um, I think TubeBuddy might have something in there that gives like actual, like just a video idea spinner um, of sorts. But when it comes to 
things that are suggesting video topics. Um, it's important to make sure that you are thinking before you're like, oh, hey, this is something I can make a video on. I'm just gonna go for it. It's important that you do run it through the filter of if it's a good fit for the people that you're trying to reach with your content or not. Because just because a tool suggests that you should do something doesn't mean that it's always the best fit for you, regardless of what it is. So because of that, you have to make sure that when you're using these tools, that you're looking at it through that lens of, okay, it's suggesting that I do this, so is this, you know, is this something that my audience would actually love from me? If the answer is no, then in that case, or if the answer is like, eh, I'm not sure, then in that case, you should probably just keep working on it until you do find one of the titles that you're like, oh yeah, this, this is good. They would absolutely love this. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going, we've got, oh, this is interesting. I love these when these happen. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do this. There we go. So um, next up on our list here, we've got um, Cupasa MLB. Cupasa MLB does daily content. They've been on YouTube for a year or more. They do sports content. Um, the goal of the channel is we are a media company and our, and our purpose is to provide all the Spanish speaking baseball fans in the world with the best baseball content. And the question is, we have a live news show from Monday to Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern. And once it's over, we selected the most important topics we touch on and I edit them down into a short, but we don't use the option in a YouTube video because due to the screen format, it's not the right size. Can this hurt our channel? We've heard that if you use multiple clips from your own content and make them into separate videos, it could be considered reused content by YouTube. Is that true? So here's the thing. When you are, um, like for example, okay, this live stream that you're watching right now, for these, even though I don't publish them all, um, for these, I have a humongous archive of, of videos that have been clipped out of these live streams. I made an entire channel for it. I just don't upload to it a lot, but I made an entire channel for it. And all of that is perfectly fine. So if you're taking your own content, you're sampling your own content, and then you're making mashups of it, which is kind of like a highlight reel of the content, or, you know, hey, these are 10 tips that I've given over the years that, that everybody should make sure to keep in mind because they always are relevant or something like that. Then in that case, that could be one tip from, um, 10 different videos and that's still okay. So the idea is when you are clipping those out, you are essentially just giving a different type of value with that clip than you are for a full live stream. So it's perfectly fine. The problem comes where if you say, okay, I'm gonna take this clip from this live stream and then I'm gonna upload it to like six different channels. Then in that case, you have that same clip uploading to six different channels, which means you're essentially reusing you know, that content or you're uploading duplicate content. Um, the same exact thing goes for your live stream. When you live stream, some people will live stream to multiple YouTube channels, you don't want to do that <laughs> because then you run into a similar situation. So what you do is when you are clipping those out, you're making them YouTube shorts, you're making them uh, just shorter video clips that you can promote in whatever way, then what you do in that situation is you're creating a, a unique piece of, of content by essentially just shortening it down. So you're, you're perfectly okay to do that. Uh, next up on our list here, uh, we've got Tenet. Tenet says they have a gaming channel. The goal of the channel is 500 subscribers by the end of the year and upload content to make people laugh. Since I watch a lot of your videos, I try to make the best possible videos for viewers that watch me. It's good. And the question is, so my recent videos exploded with the current views I normally have. How should I approach maintaining that amount of views or even growing more views? So first, you wanna make sure that particular video is set up properly in terms of you have pinned comments leading to additional content on your channel, you have in-screen setup that leads to additional content in your channel based on the topic of that particular video and how relevant it is to the people that are interacting with that video and what you're handing them off to. Um, make sure that you also have description links to other relevant content, but that's just from that one video. 
The next thing you got to do is you got to look at it from the perspective of why do I think my audience responded to this so much? Or why do I think the people that YouTube showed this to responded to it so well? And from there, that's how you start uncovering what you should do next. So right out of the gate, the very first thing you got to look at is the topic, right? So what was this video about? So here in this case, since you're a gaming channel, whatever that particular video is about, if that one did exceptionally better than the other videos, then that gives you a clue about the people that YouTube is showing that content to, they are responding to that. So therefore, what would be a logical next step to the people that watch that particular video that, you know, that, that came in and responded to that topic? What else could you make that would also be based around that particular topic that would, you know, that would want them or that would cause them to want to come back and watch another video. So the idea here, Walter, what's up, man? Walter's world. What's going on, man? Hope you're doing fantastic. I always say that, Mark. <laughs> but anyway, the um, the uh, idea is that you want to uh, make sure that you are just considering, like the people came in for this particular topic. So since they came in for this topic, then I'm proving that they're interested in this topic and they responded well to the video, which means that however I put this particular video together in terms of the title, in terms of the thumbnail, in terms of the topic, they responded to all of this. Therefore, first, how is this different from what from everything else that I've done in the channel? And two, what can I do next in terms of using this new information that I have in terms of what people are responding to to make that next video that I think they would be likely to respond to as well? So this is where you know understanding who it is that you're trying to reach and all that stuff, and understanding the things they care about, and even when you're making gaming videos, um, when you are sitting there trying to understand like why do they respond to this particular video, go in and look at all of the details of that video. So for example, look at how you started the video, look at you know every moment. So the video started. It's me sitting there telling people what's going on, or it's me sitting there listening to music, or it's a countdown screen, or like whatever it is with your particular content when, you know, the, for the one that did well, just go in and analyze every second of that content compared to the other content that doesn't perform as well. Go into your analytics, look at your click-through rate, you know, look at your click-through rate and all the different traffic sources as well, and just try to get a good understanding of why that video did well, and then try to think of how you can apply some of those things to additional content to test any theories that you come up with in terms of why that content did well. But at the core of it though, you gotta think from the topic level. So if people responded to this topic, what would be a great fit for all the people that flooded into my channel from this particular video? What would, what would they love? next based on my understanding of the game, my understanding of the people that I'm trying to reach and even your own interests, right? Making that type of content. Like what would you love to see next if you watch that, that video that's doing well? Uh, let's see here. So next up on our, uh, next up on our list here, we've got uh, Sebastian Sidelecki. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, they upload one time per week or more. The type of channel says I help coaches in Germany get clients via YouTube. Super cool. The goal of the channel says I'll build a community and get clients for my German YouTube agency. And the question is, I love your live streams and would like to copy the concept on my own channel. How should I start this? From your professional point of view, what are things that I should definitely pay attention to? And also which mistakes should I pay attention to? So if you're going to um, do something similar to this, what I recommend is that you just come in ready to just answer questions and just you know kind of demystify some of the stuff that your clients want to know. So one of the things that happen when you start doing um, these types of things is other opportunities will, will just start opening up for you because when you go live in a situation like this and you have the opportunity to talk to uh, people about a particular subject matter, 
in depth and in detail what you're doing for the amount of time that you're going live is you're demonstrating that you know what you're talking about. And by doing that, then you're going to have, you know, clients that are going to be sending you email or potential clients that are going to be sending you emails. And it becomes like a great lead generator if you have, you know, services to sell. Um, however, one thing that's really important to make sure that you are keeping in mind is when it comes to these types of things, a huge mistake that a lot of people make is they look at it from the perspective of, like I'm coming on here to generate leads and sales. I'm coming on here to, you know, just to sell stuff. And when you do that, then what happens is, yeah, like you'll have some streams and those streams, you'll sell some stuff, right? You'll get, you know, the leads you want and all that. However, long-term, if it's like, hey, every time I come in here, I'm just like constantly, you know, they're just constantly trying to sell me stuff and constantly trying to get me to buy things and all that. Then what's going to happen is people are going to stop hanging out because they they can see it for what it is, which is you're sitting there always trying to cram things down their throat, so to speak, and you're always trying to generate leads. So because of that, just freely give your time. And I know this sounds crazy, but freely give your time and freely give the information that you have without restriction and just genuinely try to help people out. And by doing that, what's going to happen is you're going to have people hitting you up because they can see one, that you're well-intentioned. Two, they're going to see that you know what it is that you're talking about. Three, the people that are that need that help from you that aren't yet at that point to where they could hire you to help them out, you are going to be helping them get to that point by sharing the information that you that you share. The people that are already at that level, they're going to appreciate what you're doing and they are probably going to have the money to spend, but not necessarily the time to implement all the things that you're talking about. So because of that, then those people are going to be the ones that are going to hit you up and and, and hire you for your services. So, um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is test it first. So it's really easy to get carried away in like all the tech and, and all that stuff and trying to make everything like look all like flashy and everything, but experiment with it. In some cases, you just sitting there by your computer might be the thing that helps people connect more. Me, the only reason I do all this stuff is because I, I like it. I like things, you know, kind of bouncing around. I like things look, looking fancy, <laughs> you know, in the videos, but you know, it, it, it's not always necessary. So because of that, before you go, you know, out on a limb, unless it's something that you're into, if you're like, Hey, I love the tech. I want to figure all this stuff out and try to make stuff look cool and all that. If that's the case, then, you know, then totally cool. However, you might find that you just sitting there in front of your computer and, you know, as long as you are, you know, lit well enough or whatever, just sitting there talking to people, sharing your information, that might be all that you need to do. So before you go all out on, you know, this kind of stuff, I would start with that and just see how people respond to it. Um, test your proof of concept, so to speak, or get your proof of concept. Make sure that the people that you're trying to reach and add value to, make sure that they respond to it. And then from there, start incrementally increasing things if you, um, you know, if you want to go that route. Brad Magic Flying Potato says 45 days to Vid Summit 2022. Woo-hoo, super excited to be there. Yeah, so what he's talking about here is um, Vid Summit. For those of you that don't know, Vid Summit is a conference that's going on in Los Angeles, California between September 27th and 29th. And this is right after I just said, you know, trying to sell stuff, but I'm not trying to sell stuff. I'm just spreading awareness about it. I'm going to be speaking there. Brad's going to be there. He mentioned it. He brought it up. But anyway, um, with Vid Summit, um, it's in LA, 27th to the 29th. And it's uh, it's incredible. I go there every year. If you've hung out in these streams for any amount of time, you've heard us talking about it. Um, so you can go to vidsummit.com to check that out if that's something that you are interested in. Dean Emmett in the house. What's up, D? Hope you're doing awesome. Renee Ritchie in the house as well. Hope that you are doing awesome as well. Oh, you're going to be there this year too. Nice, nice. Love it. Absolutely love it. So next up on our list here, we've got uh, Jamie Scott Videos. Jamie Scott Videos says they do daily content. It's a gaming channel. The goal of the channel is to get monetization. And the question is how to get more subscribers and views on my channel. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. 
Blue Boost, what's going on? Hope that you're doing fantastic. Welcome to the stream. So when it comes to uh, getting subscribers and views on your channel, um, I'm going to give you the rundown that we that we you know typically talk about here um, based on just how everything works on YouTube. So essentially, the very first thing to understand as a content creator um, when it comes to you know success on YouTube is it's important to know that everything is based on performance of your content. What that means is if people click on your content at a fair rate and they watch that content for a fair rate, they share it, add it to playlists, they comment on it, they give thumbs up, things like that. The more they engage with it, the more they enjoy it, the more YouTube is gonna show it to other people like those people that are engaging with it and enjoying it. So what happens is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're putting out content and people are not responding to it in any capacity. So if you're publishing videos and they're not clicking on it because your thumbnail, because the topic isn't something you're interested in, the thumbnail isn't grabbing their attention and the title isn't compelling, then what's going to happen, <clears throat> excuse me, what's going to happen? Woo. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Then what's going to happen is, um, is, if people are not responding positively to your content, then YouTube is going to move content into its place that people are responding to. So the way to think about it is this. Let's say that you have, uh, you know, two things. I don't know what those things are, but we're just gonna say things. So you have two things. We'll call them videos. So you have two videos. One video, people are clicking on it at a fair rate, competitive for the platform. They're watching it for a fair amount of time. They're sharing it. Some people are sharing it with their friends. Um, there's, you know, a nice handful of people that are liking the video. You've got, you know, a decent amount of people interacting in the comment section. Um, and there, you have a decent amount of people watching it to the end. Uh, once they get to the end, they click on another video or maybe they subscribe to the channel before they click on that other video, but they're really engaged in it, right? They're paying attention to the content. They're interacting with YouTube through all those different features. And this other video here, they click on it, but let's say they watch it for, you know, 15 seconds. And they're like, oh yeah, this one's not really for me. Or let's say they watch it for a little bit of time. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, you know, 30% of like a five minute video, let's say they watch it for that amount of time. And, uh, you know, they, they leave without doing any additional interaction, no subscribes, no comments, no likes, anything like that. Then what's gonna happen is YouTube is going to prioritize this video over this video, because this video is helping YouTube accomplish what it is that it's trying to do, which is show the right content to the right people at the right time that they're most likely to engage with so that people will stay happy with being a YouTube user so that YouTube can do all of the things that they do on the monetization side to you know keep everything rolling for all of us <laughs> and for them, right? So um, so the, the difference there in terms of if you wanna get more views and subscribers in a nutshell, it comes down to your video performance, it comes down to um, your understanding of the people that you're trying to reach. So for example, in our members uh, call that we had yesterday, so we have, you know, for our channel members here, we have like a call that we do um, in our Facebook group. And in that particular call, you know, we'll look at channels and, and all of that and we'll give, you know, suggestions. And one of the channels that uh, that we looked at yesterday, they were they were mixing um, content, even though from just kind of like a like a just a low view, I should say, it seemed like they might be for a similar audience. But if you kind of dig into it, um, they're, they were actually trying to attract three different audiences. So they were going after people that were into guided meditation content, people that are listening to like rain sounds and relaxing things like that, um, and also some meditation things for kids. So what happens in that scenario is you have these, you know, wildly different pieces of content going out that are, you know, essentially different types of people will respond to. 
And what happens is when people start publishing, you know, videos like that, then, you know, YouTube will identify that, hey, this people are really engaged in some of this content from this channel. So let's test some of these other videos against them. And when they do that, then they end up, you know, like not not clicking on some of that other content because it's not actually relevant to them. So another part of getting more subscribers and getting more views is also having some type of theme or very specific value that you offer from your YouTube channel. And you make that value obvious through each video that you publish, through what you say in your channel art, possibly, and what it is that you say when your videos are opening and things like that. But the idea is to lock in to a very specific type of value that you provide to the people that you're trying to reach. And then you basically just keep feeding that value through the content that you publish. And then as you're doing that, then what you start doing is you start using YouTube analytics, which is the statistics that they give us for all of our content. You start using that to get an understanding of how people People are responding to your content so that that thing that I was talking about before in terms of this video is going to get priority because it's it's getting more engagement compared to this one, then you can start to identify the, the problem areas that you have in your content. So do those things. Plus, while you're you know getting going here, also try as much as you can to work on your skill sets, because the more skills that you develop around doing this stuff the easier it is to do all this stuff and the easier it is to actually get a better response because you're learning how to do all the things that people respond to. So if you do all of those things, come up with good topic ideas at the right time, learn how to get people to click on your thumbnails and titles and learn how to create a good viewing experience for your viewers, then your videos are gonna do fine over time. It might take you a little bit of time to get there um, or it could be your next video. Um, when it comes to YouTube Shorts, same exact thing applies there. The only difference is you don't have to get people to click, but everything else is still relevant in terms of when your short starts, you, it has to grab people's attention. They have to watch it for a fair amount of time. They have to further engage with it and all those things so that those shorts will end up, you know, also doing what YouTube wants, which is keeping people on the platform, keeping them satisfied with the content and so on. So if you break everything down, all the complexities of YouTube, you take it all and you break it all down to a nutshell, it comes down to make content that people will click on and or content that people just wanna watch and that they can enjoy. And then that means removing all of the stuff from your content that doesn't add value to the viewers or waste viewers time, you know, those sorts of things so that they have a great experience when they're coming through your content. So when it comes to doing all this stuff, what you gotta think about is you have to think about, okay, if somebody, think of the whole viewer experience. And what I mean by that is if somebody sees my video on a homepage or they're sitting there on their phone and they're, you know, sitting there in their living room and they're just sitting there scrolling through, you know, videos on their phone. From that moment, they see my thumbnail. What about it? is gonna help them identify this content for them. What about that thumbnail and or title combination because they work together is going to cause that person to want to watch my video, the people that I'm trying to reach. Once they click on that video, what happens the moment? What's the first thing they see? What's the first thing they hear? Why do I want them to see and hear that first? How are they responding to that? Let me check my stats. But basically going through that entire experience that viewers have with your content and really being honest, because that's a hard part, right? Really being honest, because we have the stuff that we wanna do, and then we have the stuff that you know is proven to work and the stuff that's proven not to work. So you have to go through that process of, okay, let's see you know, how people are, are responding to this so I can, you know, so I can make those uh, you know, modifications as, uh, as need be. So we had a, uh, uh, some super chats come in here. I'm going to um, go ahead and, uh, and and get these taken care of here really quick, and then we will um, continue on. So uh, we got that one. We got that one. We got the road procast. Okay, learn Spanish world. What's going on? Super Hope you're doing chat. awesome. Welcome back. Says I have seventy thousand subscribers. I got offered a hundred dollars for a ninety second ad on it. Walk away. Walk away. 
Like, I'm not even gonna, like, I'll finish the question. But um, I have 70,000 subscribers. I got offers $100 for a 90 second ad um, for an integrated promotion. But after signing, they turned around and said it was an entire dedicated video. First, in my opinion, you shouldn't even be doing a 90 second ad in your video for $100 anyway. Um, I'm not sure what your view counts are, but really $100 um, for 90 seconds. Essentially what you're doing is you're making a minute and a half video that's going to cause everybody to leave that video. So they want you to essentially sacrifice your entire video so that they can get their message out. So when you're doing when you're doing sponsor deals first, try to limit them to like 30 to 60 seconds in less, even 60 seconds, like that's an eternity on YouTube. <laughs> but 30 to 60 seconds, um, limit it down to that. And unless they do a dedicated video. So if they do a dedicated video, then of course that changes things, but those are way more expensive. So if they signed this and you have their signature stating exactly what it is that the deal was, then you have that information. So technically nobody's gonna go to court over a hundred dollars. So, you know, because of that, if you already put it out on your channel, I'm not sure if you did or not. Um, let me know, actually. I'm, I'm going to look in the comments here. Let me know if you did put it out on your channel already. But um, but if you put it out on your channel already, I would go into the YouTube editor and I would cut it out as soon as you possibly can. Um, so you can go into your YouTube Creator Studio. You can use those editor or their editor, and you can just cut that part right out. So I would do that immediately, and uh, and then I would just walk away from that company because one, they're ripping you off anyway. Um, you should be getting more than a hundred dollars, especially for like a ninety second ad because that's that's taking your whole video down. Um, yeah, and if they are, you know, not fulfilling what it is that they said they would fulfill then yeah i would i would definitely i would definitely yeah i would walk away from that and i wouldn't yeah i, I would just put them in that like don't do business with them category tom nash in the house what's up dude says integrated promotion should be 36 60 seconds um it's only worth it if you get paid four to six thousand per video only in the middle um only if they don't get to pre-approve your script only legit brands yeah when it comes to that like everybody has you know everybody has a different uh you know different approaches to that but what tom's saying totally legit um uh, renee richie says that he does all of his sponsor spots at the end of the video typically um that approach will get you more conversion so it depends you know on the deals that you have but in some cases if you're doing awareness campaigns putting it in the front is the thing to do if you're trying to get actual direct you know conversions through the video putting it at the end of the video is the thing to do so um so it really comes down on you know what it is that the brand's trying to do and how you do your stuff remember always remember it's your content and you get to make the call so you get to decide if you're going to agree to however it is that they want to do it or not um but you say here but i didn't uh i didn't didn't like how they changed things in the end um, not happy with them. It's not a very well-known company. Yeah. So, you know, one other thing with this too, and I'm just going to say it just because, you know, we, you know, we're a bunch of content creators hanging out here and this is something that everybody should know is when it comes to, um, you know, doing brand deals, there's a lot of, you know, really awesome companies out there that have a lot of great people working at them that are awesome to work with. Um, creators have, you know, great experiences with them. On the other side of that, there's also a shady side of all of this stuff where, you know, con or where companies and marketers will try to take advantage of content creators. I have a whole video on my channel about brands that scam content creators. Um, but the thing is, a lot of brands do, um, not a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of brands, but there are scammy brands out there that will take advantage of content creators that, you know, that like, like you, you gave them a, the deal of the century, <laughs> you know, offering them, you know, 90 second spot for a hundred bucks. So, um, I recommend, um, just for the sake of the awareness of your, of your, uh, of your worth, 
there is a uh, a Twitter account. He's got a YouTube channel as well, um, but it's called Creator Wizard. Um, Justin Moore, he actually has another uh, YouTube channel as well um, with him and his wife, but um, he has a, a channel called Creator Wizard and he also has his Twitter account as well. Um, I recommend that you that you follow him, um, especially if you're doing brand deals and all that because uh, because he will kind of help elevate the perspective there in terms of you know the value that you, that you have as a content creator. Um, I think it was last week, I, I can't remember if it was during the stream here or not, um, but basically I think, it, no, because I didn't stream last week, so it was the previous week. I found on Reddit where a, a company actually came in and they were working with influencers and they basically said that if it wasn't for this one particular influencer that we're working with, then our company wouldn't be where we're at. And what they were trying to do is figure out because this content creator is wanting equity um, in the company. And what they were trying to do is they're trying to figure out like how to how to work the whole thing out. But they were being cool about it. They're like, hey, you know, they were recognizing it for what it is. But the reason that I that I brought that up is because I just wanted to highlight that in that particular case for that particular company, they wouldn't be successful according to them in that post if it wasn't for that content creator. So the value that you add, and this is for everybody here, everybody that's listening to this right now, the value that you can add to companies as a content creator is huge. So because of that, just remember that that value is huge and make sure that you that you charge appropriately for it because when you're working with companies, it's cool on the creator side because it's like, sweet, you know, like I'm official now, like I'm working with these companies, right? Like I'm getting, I'm doing the thing, I'm getting these brand deals and all of that. And that, that's, a, you know, that, that, that's like awesome in terms of like how we feel about it. But on the flip side of that, it's also just important to know that you do add tons of value to the companies that you, that you work with and, and don't ever forget that and make sure that you are being compensated, uh, make sure that you are being compensated uh, appropriately for it. So uh, let's see here. So next up on our list here, we've got uh, Sebastian says, thank super you, Nick. Chat. That helps me and I'll test it. Okay. Thank you for that. And thank you for the super chat as well. Derek Weber says, Derek Weber, scary stories. Says, I just chat. got approved for the YouTube partner program this morning. Thank you, Nick. Best ad placement practices. First off, high five and fist bump to you for getting into the partner program. Congratulations. Making that YouTube money, right? Making that YouTube money. So uh, yeah, congratulations to you for that. So in terms of um, ad placement, best practices. So a couple things to think about here is uh, of course the viewer experience, but of course, you know, money. So when it comes to YouTube ads, if you enable everything, then you're going to make more ad revenue. So that's just, you know, the elephant in the room that we got to talk about. So if you enable everything, then then you will make more money. However, one thing that I like to control is I like to control the cards. Um, I do not, um, I don't turn on the option for sponsored cards. And the reason for that is because I use them for things. I don't want people just randomly, you know, leaving my videos at, you know, different times and things like that because of, uh, because of an ad essentially. Um, in addition to that, uh, the skippable ads, you'll end up you'll end up making a majority of your money there. Non-skippables are actually the most expensive. Uh, but keep in mind that as people are coming into your videos, some people are gonna get those, but not everybody. So a lot of times content creators will think like, hey, I can't use non-skippables because then that'll annoy my viewers as they're coming in. And you know, in fairness, that will annoy some people. But you have to remember that they're interacting with YouTube and as they're interacting with YouTube, a lot of content creators have ads in the front. A lot of content creators will have non-skippables in the front. But within that, there's also an ad tolerance on YouTube as well, which means that depending on how long somebody's been on YouTube and how many videos they're watching and all that, they are not necessarily gonna see an ad for every single video that they're watching. So because of that, you're gonna have people that are coming into your video that won't even see those ads. Um, and 
and that's even if they're not a premium user. And then on top of that, you also have the premium users that will be coming into your video that also won't see ads as well. So if you wanna make the most money, then in that case, you want to enable everything except for the cards, if you want to be like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, uh, insert, you know, these uh, non-skippables at the beginning just for those people that might see them. Then in that case, that's totally your call to make. And some content creators take that approach. The same thing goes for mid-rolls. And basically with your mid-rolls, if you have a video over eight minutes long, then you can insert ads into the actual content as well. So keep in mind, same exact thing applies. Some people are gonna see it, some people are not gonna see it. Not every single viewer that goes through that video is going to see it, but if you do use them, then you'll increase your ad revenue. So the thing that I personally like to do is I like to, um, just focus on the viewer, the focus on you guys. Um, and that's in sometimes that's to my detriment as well. But basically when I do that, um, in most of my videos, I don't have the skippable ads or the non-skippables turned on. Um, I typically don't insert the mid-roll ads every now and then I will. Um, but you know, in most of my content, I don't do that. Um, in these live streams, I can't remember if I have the setting for, uh, the, for the, to insert the ads in the stream replays or not. But anyway, the idea is just deciding like, you know, what, the, how you, how you want to roll, how you want, how you want to do things on your end. With me, I make money in a lot of different ways for my YouTube channel. So because of that, I'm not as dependent on the ads as a lot of other content creators are. So because of that, you know, I can do those sorts of things and it's not, you know, that big of a hit for me. Um, however, if you're 100% reliant on ads, then in that case, you want to enable as much of that stuff as you can, because that's going to be how you end up replacing your cameras. That's going to be, you know, like if your phone goes down, if you make content in your phone, that's how you get a new phone from, you know, reinvesting your YouTube money into that. If you're a gamer, you're trying to upgrade all your, you know, equipment and all that stuff so that you can stream at, you know, faster frame rates and, you know, without lag and all these other things, then in that case, you're going to need money to do it. And the, you know, the best way to get that is taking your YouTube money, reinvesting it into, you know, the equipment that you need in order to, you know, keep leveling up if that's something that you're trying to do. So hopefully that answered your question and, uh, and we will keep on trucking here. So uh, let's see here. So next up, we've got two spanner in the house. Chat. What's up, Danielle? Danielle, hope you're doing awesome. It says, um, what do you call a werewolf YouTuber? A lichen scribe. Got it. Lichen scribe. I don't, I don't know what a lichen is. I, I guess that's, uh, you know, I think I've heard that before. Is that like a vampire? No, I guess that's a werewolf. Yeah, I'm not sure what lichen is though. <laughs> Nomadic introvert says, um, how do you know when to collaborate with a company for a free product without being paid to promote it? Um, this is a great question. In my opinion, when it comes to promoting something, uh, when it comes to promoting anything for a company, the filter that I'll run that through is if I need it, if I'm considering buying it, but I just haven't yet, and it's also worth the price of it, then in that case, yeah, then it's totally fine. Um, but if it's like, hey, this is cool, but would I really use this? Do I really need this? Is this something that I want to sacrifice a video for? Because, you know, when it comes to making content, one thing that is also important to remember is with every video that you publish, you have a win with that video based on what it is that you're trying to do. But with every video that you publish, you also have an opportunity cost based on all the things that you don't do with that particular piece of content. So because of that, every video that you publish for a sponsor, that's a video that you could publish to where you can just create a better experience for your viewers without having those sponsor you know messages in there. Um, that's a video that you could promote as an affiliate to promote something else unrelated to a sponsor where you can get long-term income from that instead of just that initial money from that sponsor. 
Um, so there's different options that you have when it comes to, you know, deciding how to structure that stuff. But when it comes to deciding like, hey, should I do it for a free product um, or should I make them pay for it? In my opinion, unless it's something that you absolutely need and that you were considering purchasing anyway, or if you find novelty in it, if you're like, hey, this is pretty cool, even though, you know, it's like way cheaper than I would normally charge for a video. And even though it's not something that I was thinking of buying because it wasn't even on my radar, like this is pretty cool and I want it. And it's, you know, it's only gonna take me a little bit of time to make this video. So let me just go ahead and, you know, put out an extra video for it or whatever. You know, you can definitely take that approach. You can definitely take that approach as well. But first, though, I just run it through the filter in terms of worth because, you know, one of the things that does happen um, commonly is, you know, companies will they will have their, uh, you know, their marketing teams and stuff. They'll have them come up with all these like schemes when it comes to content creators where they'll be trying to, you know, essentially get like, hey, we're going to give you these products that don't cost us very much to make in exchange for videos that are typically really expensive for us to advertise on. So, you know, they, they're, they're, they're not giving you that thing for free because they're trying to hook you up. They're doing it for free because it costs them less money because they get the manufacturing cost for it um, instead of, you know, having to pay you the full price of what, you know, they should actually pay for the content. So, you know, it really comes down to just deciding on, you know, if it's worth it for you, um, if it's worth it for you or not. Uh, let's see here. Let me refresh that, refresh that, make sure we're still good there. And then we are going to keep on trucking here in the comments. So next up, we got Buff Base Bass Outdoors. And uh, they do fishing and outdoor content. The goal of the channel is to turn passion into a career. And the question is, Nick, is it bad for your channel if it if a short goes viral? I created a shirt. Um, relegating to my niche and what I do. Um, and it has gotten 108,000 views and gaining 500 to 1,000 more every hour. Is this rare and can it hurt my channel? I also gained 550 subscribers. So if the short, you say I created a shirt. I don't know if you mean, if you that's a typo and you meant short or not. But basically when it comes to YouTube shorts, if you have a, a short go viral, um, it can be helpful for you because as long as it's related to the type of content that you make, then it shorts typically get you in front of new audiences, people that aren't you know regularly consuming your content. Plus what YouTube is trying to do right now is they're in the process of deploying features that are going to be bridges of sorts from shorts content to long form content. So because of that, the opportunity that you have right now is if this short continues to do well and it's based on the topic, then as that feature rolls out, and you might have it already because there are you know a lot of people that have these already, but as some of these features roll out, then you'll be able to directly send people you know over into some of your long form content as well. Um, but right now, since that video is already out there, it's already you know doing great and all that, just let it ride. As long as it's in alignment with the type of content that you currently make, you're growing subscribers from it, and eventually YouTube will start you know, they'll at least test some of your content, you know, against some of those viewers as well. So, um, so you're, you're totally good to go. I wouldn't stress out about it is what I'm saying. <laughs> Rude guy. Super chat. Thanks for the super chat. Says with YouTube shorts, now 57% of content views. Do you see it increasing beyond long form eventually? So here's the thing. So, and I, sh I should have made this disclaimer um, in the news segment yesterday. So um, what Rude guy is referencing here is in the news uh, the news segment that I did yesterday, I mentioned that um, YouTube now has 57% of their views is coming from YouTube shorts, according to a study. I think that particular uh, thing was a study done by Tubular Labs. So a, like in the comment section of that stream, a lot of people are like, oh, everybody's attention spans are getting short. You know, oh my gosh, should I even do long form content anymore? Things like that. And what I should have said after I mentioned that it's 57% of views is 
when people are watching YouTube shorts, they're just sitting there flipping through, right? And as they're sitting there flipping through, somebody will watch it for, you know, just a handful of seconds, whatever, and then they flip it, and then there's another one, and there's another one. So for example, if you sit down and you're just sitting there on your phone wasting time for 20 minutes while you're sitting in your car and you're waiting for somebody to, you know, to meet up with you or something, then in that case, you're sitting there and you're just flipping through those, and that's like 20, you know, you got 20 minutes of, of content there if every video you watch is the full 60 seconds, and a lot of them are not even the full 60 seconds. So you'll watch through, you know, 20 shorts or more than that if they're less than 60 seconds, which is going to inflate how much, you know, content you can watch during that 20 minutes. Whereas if you're watching the long form content, you let's say you have four or five minute videos, then they would watch four videos versus 20 or more um, in the in the short uh, content. Or if you have a 20 minute video, then they watch one of those. So it's not necessarily that because shorts has 57% of the viewership, that doesn't necessarily mean that nobody's watching the long form content. It just means that you can watch a lot more shorts in the same amount of allotted time. So because of that, um, your, um, do you see it increasing beyond long form eventually? So because of that, when it comes to the shorts, um, if they do make shorts to where you can do vertical long form content, which really, I mean, if we just call it what it is, all they're doing is they're just duplicating TikTok features through all of this and then trying to find ways to get people into the long form content from it now. So if they keep following that path, TikTok makes long form or they allow long form vertical content. So I'm going to guess that eventually YouTube might do the same, but I don't have any information on that. I'm just, I'm just, you know, throwing my opinion on that one. Um, but when it comes to shorts becoming also long form. I think that the possibility is, you know, definitely there. They might call it something else um, or they might have like another section for that. I'm not really sure how that's all going to work out, but I'm going to guess that having that, you know, like an isolated section for long form vertical content is probably eventually going to be a thing because TikTok's already doing it. It's already proven to work. <laughs> so because of that, I'm going to guess that, uh, that they'll end up uh, that they'll end up doing that. Super chat. 86 Street Project says, I went to D's channel and he hasn't been posting. Uh, no, he has not. Yeah, so D is, um, you know, he built up that channel and, you know, and now he's working on some other stuff. He's working on the Creator Mix channel, um, those sorts of things right now. He's working on the whole Creator Mix project and that has been, you know, extremely time consuming for him. So um, so because of that, you know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't been uploading to his, to his YouTube channel. To that YouTube channel, I should say. So uh, next up on our list here, we've got uh, War Maiden Gaming. War Maiden Gaming says that they do the type of channel, says it's going to be for my gameplay, for whatever game that I'm planning to run. And the goal of the channel is to bring my adventures to others and share my stories. And the question is, as someone who does not have deep pockets, what is the best way to get good vid captured and edited to be decent? So if you are trying to, yeah, and D says that he might not ever again um, upload to that particular channel, by the way. Um, I will get that, Doug, thank you. Um, so when it comes to getting your videos captured, um, there is uh, like technically, if you're trying to just do everything free, because um, you said, you know, if you don't have deep pockets, so you can capture gameplay with something called OBS. Um, if you're you know, just gonna be playing the game, um, it's called OBS Studio. It's a piece of live streaming software that um, that's on your computer, but you can also record through it. Keep in mind, if you're playing the game on it, plus you're using OBS with it, it's gonna be pretty taxing on your computer, but that is a way that people do you know capture their gameplay footage. Next up, um, let's see here really quick. Um, let's see here. We got Brad taken care of. So, um, Super Nigel, chat. 
member for 12 months says, I have someone else's video on a TV in the background and my video in one clip without sound to show the viewer where I get my info from. Am I safe? So imagery is protected by copyright just like audio is. So keep that in mind and just know that when you do have those types of things in the background that they can be detected and you can, you know, if somebody were to see that video, technically, if they wanted to, you know, issue a DMCA or something like that, they could, you're probably okay. But, um, but you know, just know that, you know, when you do have those types of things going on that you are putting yourself at, you know, a little bit of risk. All right, so let's see here. Let's go uh, next up on the uh, on the list. Oh, hey, this is a hey. Thanks for this, drinkers with gaming problems. So for the person that was wanting to do the capture, um, the game capture. So drinkers with gaming problems says that if you have an NVIDIA card, it also comes with uh, also comes with capture software. So um, so I completely forgot about that. So thanks for the uh, for the heads up there. The Sharpie uh, 1012, thank you for the kind words. I super appreciate it, Mr. Camera Junkie. Welcome to the stream today, Ash Borland. What's up, my man? Hope that you're doing fantastic. Hey, dude, I got your email. Um, I'm not there yet. Um, I was wanting you to send that email just so I have it in my in my queue. Um, so I should be hitting you up here probably for the next like two to three weeks. Um, just a heads up there. Um, so here, so next up on the list here, we got X Diamond Music. Um, X Diamond Music, they do rap music. Nice. Um, the Gold of the Channel says, I want to share my art with the world. And the question is, hello, Nick. Good morning. Um, hello. Good morning to you um, as well. So I want to create a new channel uh, where I make one minute videos, but instead of talking, I would do them with rap. That would be my differentiator. And which niche do you think it would be to have a good chance of success for a channel like that? And if it were you, how would you do it? Greetings and thanks for everything you offer. Sorry if my English is not very good. Um, so for that, I would actually do it the other way around. I would think about, okay, what is it that would just, what that I would enjoy rapping about? What would be content that would be, um, e that would either challenge me to rap about it or what would be content that would be easy for me to rap about it, depending on the, you know, the path that you're wanting to take there. But the idea is that when you are, you know, trying to do that, you have to make sure that you're also thinking is this appropriate for what people would want from this type of content? Because there's the novelty side of it, which is what it is that you're doing. But then there's also, you know, depending on the content that, you know, people are gonna be expecting a certain type of value from that content. So because of that, what I would do, um, cause you asked for my approach, I might think about maybe doing like parodies of stuff and try to go like the whole entertainment route, try to make like actual like music videos about it and stuff like that and do like parody type content about other things. So for example, like if there's like popular commercials or, you know, things like that, doing like rap versions of, you know, those types of things um, would be something to try. But again, that would be something to try. Like, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how people will respond to that. So you're gonna have to just give it a shot and find out. Um, but I would be trying to either do it, um, you know, parody related things, or I would just try to, you know, rap about, you know, trending topics, or maybe even like do funny raps about things that people take seriously and, you know, get a bunch of people triggered, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, again, you just have to make sure that you are thinking about the value that people will expect when they are, you know, uh, clicking on a certain on a certain type of content. But I think it's an interesting idea, and I think that you should definitely try it and um, and see how it goes. Let's see here. So next up on our list, we've got Your Young Tutor. Your Young Tutor. They do mobile content. Um, the type of channels, tutorials, how-to videos, and Rubik's Cube videos. The goal of channels, I want to get monetized ASAP. And the question is, how to get my views on my videos, not YouTube Shorts. So when it comes to getting views on your videos, um, Jelly Duck, member for 27 months, thank you for your support. Glad that you are enjoying the uh, channel membership, dropping that wahoo in there. <laughs> 
But uh, when it comes to uh, getting views on your videos, um, like I mentioned before, when the stream was first starting, um, everything on YouTube is based on response. So if you get want to get more views on your videos, you have to make videos about topics that people are interested in, or if you can't prove, or if you can't prove that people are interested in those topics, you have to. Um, experiment, which is making videos on the topics and seeing if people are interested in those topics. Then you have to be able to get people to grab, you have to be able to grab their attention and possibly get them to click on your thumbnail. And, or you have to be able to write compelling titles that will actually pull them into your content or create some type of interest around the video that you have. Once they click on it, then what's going to happen from there is they're going to start experiencing your content. Once they start experiencing your content, YouTube is tracking everything it is that they're doing with your video. They're tracking how long they're watching it. They're tracking if it's in the forefront or if it's in the background. They're tracking, like in terms of like, are you listening to something in the background or are you actually engaging with it, you know, as like the only thing like on the screen. Um, they're tracking if people are liking it, commenting on it, how far they're watching. They're tracking mouse movements, like everything about the video, they're tracking everything. So because of that, when somebody comes into your video, what you want them to do is engage with the content. And that engagement is watch time. It's people watching the videos. So you got to make sure that you are creating, you know, a good experience for them there. But then also you want to make sure that you are getting them to, you know, uh, engage in other ways as well. So in order to do that, you have to be making good content, um, adding calls to actions and things like that work. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the core of it. The most important part is the content that you're putting out and how that content resonates with other people or entertains them or motivates them or teaches them something or whatever it is with, you know, the content that you're trying to do. Um, so if you want to get more views on your videos, you have to learn how to, you know, do all of those things in that process in terms of coming up with good video ideas, researching those video ideas to, you know, to prove that people are interested in them making thumbnails that are, uh, you know, attention grabbing and compelling, making titles that are, you know, attention grabbing and compelling as well. And then, you know, a great video experience for them as well. Because when you are, you know, doing all of this stuff, the, the important thing to make sure that you're keeping in mind is that, you know, YouTube has a goal that they're trying to reach and they are trying to, you know, keep people engaged in the platform. And the more that you can help them do that, the better you're going to do. So next up um, on our list here, We've got Coded Despair. Coded Despair says that they do daily content. Um, the type of channel is gaming. The goal is to reach 30,000 subscribers. Hey, really quick here, Renee Ritchie, who, by the way, is uh, the YouTube liaison. He actually works with YouTube. Says, fun fact, YouTube doesn't consider comments in ranking, um, but it's still important for community building. Absolutely. Um, the goal of the channel is to reach 30,000 subscribers here. And the question is, uh, tutorial on thumbnails, titles, and tags. I cannot use TubeBuddy and other things, so I need help with those, thanks. Oh, you're just wanting me to make that particular video. Yeah, so I can tell you right now, um, I've got videos um, on my channel. So if you just go to YouTube search, if there's, for anybody here, if there's anything that you're wanting to know um, in terms of, you know, like you would want me to make a video about it, first, go and just hop on YouTube search and do Nick Nimmin and then type in whatever it is that you want me to make a video about. And there's a good chance that I've probably got it on the channel already. Like in your case, I've got videos about writing titles. I've got videos about thumbnails. I've got videos about tags. Keep in mind the tag videos are dated. So because of that, you know, take those with a grain of salt because tags aren't as important as, as they used to be. So, uh, so because of that, just go to YouTube search bar, do Nick Nimmin and then like how to make thumbnails or Nick Nimmin thumbnails. And then you're going to see some videos there that pop up about one other people showing how to make thumbnails like I make but then you'll also see you know some videos that I've made you know teaching you about thumbnails and the other things that you're uh, looking for there ironing man Paul super chat I love your channel name by the way what a great play um, on 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 the Iron Man name. That's awesome, Ironing Man. So uh, says started using Creator Mix on my channel. Thanks. I'm glad that you are enjoying uh, Creator Mix. On behalf of my brother D and myself, we are super glad that you are enjoying Creator Mix. 
Um, so thank you for the um, for the kind words there. Super glad that you are uh, enjoying it. So next up here, we've got number 14. We're cruising right through these. Next up, we've got channel name. Let me find it. We've got Can Fly WA. Can Fly WA says... The type of channel is viewing Western Australia by drone. The goal of the channel is to showcase Western Australia sites and views. And the question is, if a subscriber decides to try to help your channel by putting your channel on repeat so it continually plays your videos, will this have a detrimental effect on your channel or will it help boost your channel? One person isn't going to make a difference. Like, um, I mean, technically, I guess sort of it could, but like YouTube is looking at things like like an accumulation of all the people that are interacting with your channel. So if you have one viewer that's just sitting there and they're just looping stuff in the background, you they're, you know, they go into a playlist and then they just kind of walk away from the computer. Um, in that case, that one viewer, um, it's not really going to do a ton for for what it is that you're that you're you know trying to do there. Um, another thing is that you know YouTube, like if you do let playlists go for too long, I actually have this happen from time to time because one thing that I'll do is like. Like when I'm working, when I'm sitting there in front of the computer and I'm, you know, doing whatever there, then I'll have, um, I'll have, you know, like YouTube open and I'll have like a music playlist going or whatever. Um, now I'll just go to Creator Mix because we have a live stream. It's a 24-7 stream going on, which is great if you're into lo-fi. Link to that or link to Creator Mix down in the description. But when you are, um, but when I'm working though, I'll have like a, you know, playlist of some kind. And I've actually had it to where it'll, it'll prompt me kind of like Netflix does to where it'll ask me if I'm still actually, you know, sitting there watching. So, um, so you do have those types of things uh, as well. But, you know, again, like the, 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 the message that I want to share here for this particular question is the system when it comes to YouTube is really smart. Um, when it comes to people interacting with your content, like they can tell, um, like if that one person is like they're like they can tell the computer that you're watching it on. They can tell the location. They can tell like all the, if you're logged in, they can tell all of these like details about, you know, the devices where they're located at the other devices that they're near, like all this other crazy stuff. So like when it comes to gaming YouTube, like you, you, you can't. Um, like when it comes to, you know, YouTube, the system is smart enough to where, you know, you're not going to be able to like, you know, pull a fast one <laughs> on YouTube um, because they'll be able to, you know, detect things like that. Now, with that said, if your content's awesome, adds tons of values and you have like tens of thousands of people that are doing that, they're just sitting there and watching through like hours of playlist of videos, trying to like learn some, you know, deep concepts that you're sharing and things like that. Then in that case, yeah, um, you know, that those will probably do great. If you have 10,000 people sitting there listening to your music playlist, yeah, it's probably gonna do great. And it'll probably end up, you know, on homepages all over the place, um, you know, when those things happen. So. So when you do when you have those things happen at scale, they matter. When when they're when they're happening, you know, at a uh, uh, you know at like an individual user uh, um, uh, situation, then in that case, it's not as you know it, it's not going to be that impactful. Learn Spanish super world. Chat. Thank you for the super chat. Says um, I sang a song, which is in the public domain, and this guy sent me a copyright strike. Um, there are hundreds of covers of this song, which is more than a hundred years old. When will YouTube fix their copyright system? So this is a great question. And, you know, I'm right there with you. Their system is broken. It's a mess. There's a lot of, um, you know, collateral damage and YouTubers, unfortunately, are at the at the center of it. Um, it sucks. So basically with their with their system, like a thing that 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 content creators typically don't understand is that when it comes to the legal side of things, if somebody submits a DMCA to YouTube, um, um, a takedown notice uh, to YouTube for somebody using a, a song, it, like YouTube can't necessarily judge 
that. They can't make the call on if it's like legitimate or not or anything like that initially. And because of that, um, you know, like they have to take action. They have to take it down, those sorts of things. So that's where, you know, people are really violating those situations. But when it comes to people claiming that old content, it's an epidemic, unfortunately, on YouTube with music, with, you know, with footage, old footage, things like that. And, and it's a, it's a, it's one of the, one of the bad parts of, uh, of YouTube. So, um, so because of that, like, unfortunately in your case, you know, I would, you know, if it was me, I would dispute it. And, um, you know, I would just let them know that, you know, it's definitely something that's old, but, you know, unfortunately content creators are the ones that, that catch the fallout from this because YouTube doesn't catch the fallout. Um, the companies, you know, they typically will get away with it. Like YouTube might ban them from their, you know, content ID system or whatever, if they happen to be in it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it really comes down to the creators losing out. And, and that's one unfortunate side about YouTube right now is, is that whole thing. So, um, so, you know, I wish that I could be like, Hey, just do this or just do this. And then, you know, don't worry about it. But you know, the reality is it's, it's a problem that they need to fix and they need to figure out. So one thing that really bothered me, um, is that, um, I'm, I'm not sure how many people here are familiar with the YouTube channel, lo-fi girl. So one of the things that happened and, and this, this conversation right now is what really bothers me about this. So learn Spanish world, they get a copyright strike and you know they're just having to deal with it and then you know they can go through and dispute it and you know all of that you know and go through that full process and they're just have you know they're just kind of there they don't have contacts at youtube they're, they don't have like a huge youtube channel to where you know they're kind of on that radar but lo-fi girl they had their stuff taken down um it, you know it was an improper or a false claim and they just sent out a tweet about it they, they tweeted it. I think it was like Team YouTube. I retweeted it too, saying that they got taken down all this stuff. But it was a fraudulent claim and YouTube was able to, they're like, oh yeah, hey, we looked into it. And this is the part that bothers me. We looked into it and you know this is a fraudulent claim. We got it taken care of. Everything's back up. You're good to go. And D and I, we were, I think at the time when that tweet went out or when that, you know, when, when that, you know, came to light, I, I think we were actually eating it. Like, uh, we were eating at like a local restaurant. We we're having some pizza with pineapple on it. And, uh, at that moment in time, we were like, oh my God, can you believe this? I think this is like the first time I've ever seen, like uh, we've ever seen YouTube do this. And then D and I went on a rant about like how just uncool that is like, like, I understand that they're bringing tons of people onto YouTube and I understand that they have, um, you know, a, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to call it a relationship, but you know, they can count on lo-fi girl to, to keep viewers on the, on platform, you know, for a substantial amount of time and to keep coming onto YouTube to listen to them in the background and all that. Lo-fi girl has a huge brand on YouTube. I respect that. However, the fact that they can just put out a tweet and get something like that handled where in your situation, you are getting, you know, a fraudulent claim here and you're just having to like risk that that dispute because another part of this broken system in my opinion and i'll stop ranting here in a second because i don't want to i don't want to turn this into just like a you know negative thing here but a, another thing that um, um that is broken about this is you'll also see in your case when you go to dispute that well actually not even your strike because you already got the strike like you're already hit so when people get a claim one of the disclaimers that pops up when you're disputing that claim is by submitting this claim, if it ends up not working out in your favor, I can't remember the exact language, but it's like, if it doesn't end up working out in your favor, then you risk getting a strike because it doesn't work out in your favor, even if it's a fraudulent claim. So like that, it's just the whole thing. Um, and in my opinion is, is broken because like, if you have a, like me, right? If I, if I were to get a copyright strike from any video on my channel, and, and to be fair, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm probably not gonna, I'm probably not gonna dispute it 
even it's a claim i would probably i would still yeah yeah I, I would but anyway like um like i would be worried about it though because i'd be like even though i know that i have the rights to use this and blah 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 like i would still be just a little bit nervous when hitting that button because if if for whatever reason it, it didn't work out in my favor and i can't you know hop on with youtube technically you know i can just based on being able to you know connect through uh you know the the sport and all that but you know most content creators they can't just hop on with youtube and be like hey you know this you know this is going on and blah 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 they just have to deal with it and take the take the hit so to speak so um that whole side of thing things when it comes to you know the copyright system yeah like like Everything about, I won't say everything, but most things about YouTube is awesome in terms of the opportunity that we have here, the reach that we can have, how we can impact people with our content, how if we make good content, they'll put in front of, you know, the, the people that will, you know, come in and interact with it and all of that. Um, if you're a business person, you know, they essentially can, can find your customers for you if you're making the right content. All that stuff is awesome. But the copyright system, man, they really, really need to, uh, they really need to work on that one. <laughs> Uh, Renee's like, yeah, rants appreciated. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, uh, yeah, that, that if there's one message like to to get through, yeah, they they really they really gotta you know they really they really gotta do something about that. So um, let's see here. So as we keep on uh, as we keep on going through this list here, we've got yeah. D says here, you know, content ID can be good, but it's been weaponized and it's full of flaws. Absolutely. Well, it's it's being weaponized and monetized you know, as well, because, you know, people are fraudulently, you know, using it to, you know, try to get ad revenue and, you know, all this other crazy stuff. It's nuts. That's why we made Creator Mix. <laughs> so Rude Guy says that, uh, let's see here, comedy content, the goal of the channel is to entertain and grow my brand as a full-time career. And the question is, hey, Nick, thank you for the great advice. The RPM on my audit, um, my adult comedy is very limited, $2. So any advice to increase this? I create adult-only dubbed funny videos, which would explain the low RPM. I've grown to 59,000 subscribers in one year. First off, congratulations on 59,000 subscribers in one year. That's that's incredible, nice work. Um, second, when it comes to uh, you know your content, if you are making... not be suitable for a large amount of advertisers and because of that they're they're probably not showing you know many ads on your content that's probably what you're working with so what you would need to do in that situation is to kind of tone down the content to make it more advertiser friendly and i know that some people have a problem with that others don't but if you're wanting to okay it looks like we might be back microphone checka one two one two let's see if we are back here I was just getting ready to come in with my phone, and uh, it looks like I'm. Uh, yeah, is it, are we good? Can you can you hear me? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Can you hear me? Okay, we're back. Okay, fantastic. So Brian G Johnson in the house. What is going on? Uh, D sending me messages too, like uh, asking uh, what did he just say there? Yeah, D's like. Uh, let's see here. You sound sick. Are you? No, we were just singing and stuff last night, uh, just being silly, and I just went a little bit too far. Um, see here, what happened? Are you, oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah. So we're, so we're good to go. Okay. So that right there. So for those of you that are live streamers, one thing I just want to highlight here really quick. So what happened is my power was fine, but the internet just had like some type of hiccup and, uh, StreamYard was able to hold this stream, uh, hold the stream open for us. So, uh, that's one huge bonus of using StreamYard. So it looks like the internet still, uh, you know, maybe a little bit little bit low based on this uh, report that I'm getting but uh, but you know at the end of the day 
If you're a live streamer, at the very least, even if you use something else like OBS to live stream, you should port it through StreamYard. So in the event that you have a situation like that, that they still hold it open for you in the cloud. StreamYard for the win, absolutely. So, all right, let's keep on, uh, let's keep on trucking. So next up, we've got Salad Cream Boys Wellbeing. Um, they upload, he uploads when he has time. It's a mental health, self-care and well-being channel. The goal of the channel is to help those with anxiety through simple tips to manage their mental health and to monetize. The question is, hey Nick, I've recently gained a lot of subscribers for my shorts content, but my channel isn't specifically a shorts channel. So, um, or just so it doesn't completely drown out my long form content, is there a good balance for those who have long and short form on their channel without creating a second channel? So in terms of drowning out your long form content, keep in mind that your long form content is gonna go out to different people than the short form content. So there's gonna be a little bit of crossover um, in some cases, but really the short content right now is is used to get you in front of you know newer people. So again, there'll, there'll be some crossover, but at the end of the day, um, you know your your longer form content is going to get you in in front of you know different people than your shorts will. So because of that, um, if you want to continue making shorts, I think you'll be fine, and I wouldn't worry about necessarily like drowning you know one type of content um, you know one type of content drowning you out. Let me refresh this here. It's like my live chat's being all there. We go. Okay. So uh, as we keep on uh, as we keep on going here, we've got. Carla YouTuber, Carla YouTuber says they uh, have a famous phrases channel. The goal of the channel says I'd like to some way, someday be known as a writer. And the question is, hello, Nick, on my channel, I publish famous phrases of philosophers. I'd like to know if that can bring me copyright or monetization problems. Thanks and have a good day. Um, you know what, when it comes to copyright with like quotes and things like that, I, I honestly don't know. I've never actually looked into that. I've never had any experience with that. Um, so I, I really don't know if um, if quotes would fall under that or not. So um, so what I recommend that you do, Organized Soprano, okay, what is going on? I hope you're fantastic. Nice to see you in the stream today. Um, but uh, what I would do in that case is if you are gonna build an entire channel around it, I would just dig around the internet, see if you can find something there or just reach out to a copyright attorney, pay whatever you know small fee that you have to just to have them answer a question and, um, and answer or ask that, uh, ask that question. Hot Mess History with uh, T said what Super T said, tracks. says, hey Nick, thank you and everyone here who gave me tips for monetization outside of ad revenue. I made some extra money using those tips already. And I hit 95,000 subscribers yesterday. Give me one more, one more applause on this one. Um, yesterday, next stop, play button. First off, high five and fist bump to you. Here it is, this one. I'm just gonna take it back to this one for a second. High five and fist bump to you for 95,000 subscribers and for implementing the additional monetization options. You know, like one of the things that uh, that that I see from time to time here, because, you know, like I see, you know, a lot of the people that are in the chat and then I would see people, you know, comment and stuff. Sometimes I'll come back into the chat, you know, after the stream is over, um, like the next day or something. I'll go and I'll start popping channels open, looking at people's channels and stuff. And one of the things that I run into a lot is that, you know, people will hang out in the streams. You know, some of you will hang out in the streams and you'll hear all this stuff, right? But you won't actually apply any of it to your YouTube channel. Um, so the fact that, you know, the fact that, you know, you are just taking, you know, some of the information, you're like, hey, yeah, let me try that and see how that goes. And that you're already making money from, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, doing those things. Huge, huge win. And congratulations to you for, um, for one, getting the win, but two, uh, just for, you know, being the, you know, for taking action, um, taking action on the stuff. So um, let's see here. So next up on our list here, Okay, we got Carla YouTuber already. Epic Gamer, 
Thank you. I appreciate it. So really quick, um, Epic Gamer Family says, hey, Nick, I love your multi-camera setup. How do you have it um, automatically rotated without touching the stream deck? Um, I'm not using a stream deck for it. So here, I'll show you real quick. So let me turn this off and turn this on. So basically what I have here um, is this right here is called a ATEM uh, Mini Extreme. And they have smaller ones too. They have um, ATEM Minis, ATEM Mini Pros, and uh, they make it to where you can plug in four uh, different cameras. So like in this case, this is a GoPro, and then I've got you know a bunch of cameras over here, camera over here, camera up there. And um, with that, I'm, I can use up to eight with this particular uh, device here, which is also an A10 Mini, it's just the, the bigger version. But you can you can do this with the um, A10 Mini, just the base A10 Mini. And when you are changing the, frame, the, the, the cameras, basically this device, it comes with software, and that software, you can set up what's called macros. And with those macros, you can say, go to this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time, that camera for this amount of time, back to this camera and so on. And you create ahead of your stream and, and it saves it. So you just have to set it up once, um, but you create these sequences before your stream. And then, at, you know, right before you start your stream, then you just turn on the sequence and then and then it'll start uh, it'll start switching for you. So um, so here I just turned on the sequence, so it just went ahead and you know switched back here for me um, there. Brian G Johnson, what's up, my man? Hope that you are doing fantastic. Nice to see you in the stream today. Hope that you are doing awesome. Nice to see you. Uh, nice to see you back in here. So uh, we've got the fury, the furry and the fury. Oh, hey, really quick. Um, Doug mentioned that I had a um, super chat here that I overlooked. So let me uh, grab that here really quick. So we got Scott Invert super says, my chat. channel is very niche, tarantulas mainly. How can I pull people in who wouldn't normally watch this peep, this type of content? Well, the thing is, is, is with YouTube, um, if you are trying to get them to enjoy the content, then you want to pull people in that are into, you know, that are into tarantulas. Technically, you could make videos about something else and then introduce your tarantula to them that way. But at the end of the day, you know, if you have an entire channel about tarantulas, you want to pull people in that are into tarantulas. And that's okay, right? It's perfectly fine. So, you know, like a lot of people will want to go like as general as possible in terms of the audience that they're trying to reach so they can tap into like a bigger group of people. And sometimes that works against people because, you know, they, they need to have that core audience of people that are, you know, into it. So every video that they publish is gonna be a good fit for that person. So when it comes to, you know, trying to get in people that wouldn't normally be interested in tarantulas, um, if we think about that one for a second, um, you might end up hurting your audience retention on that if you bring them in on something else and then, you know, you start, you know, hitting them with tarantula content because some people are creeped out by, you know, tarantulas. So because of that, you know, you might end up having, uh, you know, okay click-through rate, but then your, you know, retention might suffer um, there. So I recommend, you know, just tapping into people that are, you know, interested in tarantulas. But if you can find anything else that's popular that isn't related to tarantulas, but but they might have, you know, tarantulas or something like that, like a celebrity that collects spiders or something like that, then making a video about them, you might have some people come into that video that are interested in that particular person. But then again, you run into that scenario to where, you know, they're interested in that person, not necessarily the tarantulas, so therefore they're not likely to subscribe to the channel. So that's, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, a hard request, uh, you know, it's a hard request to uh, to make wanting people to come in, you know, to, to like tarantulas that um, that, you know, that that aren't expecting <laughs> that aren't expecting tarantulas. <laughs> um, Carlene Geisha says, uh, can you put a big YouTuber name in your title and tag? Um, so that is called misleading metadata. When you do that, if 
the uh, the YouTube content creator if the video is not about them or they are not involved in the video in any way. So for example, um, in my space, and, and it's actually a different niche. It's not necessarily, you know, the, the YouTube help space. Um, it's where people make all these theories on like why they think a content creator did well um, and they make it sound, you know, really good. But like when, uh, when they make that type of content, they will, uh, they'll put the YouTuber's name, uh, you know, in that content because the entire thing is about that YouTuber. Uh, there's tons of channels like this where they basically just break down, you know, you know, content creator success and all that. Um, with those, with those channels, they'll put the content creator, you know, their photo in there. They'll put their name in there. Their name will be in the tags, the whole thing. It'll be about that content creator. So by doing that, all of that data, you know, matches up to where, you know, some of those videos will actually end up in front of the audience that's that loves that content creator as well. But in that case, though, they're being compliant in terms of they're not misleading people in any way because that video is about that content creator. However, if you put a big YouTuber's name in your title and tags and your video isn't about them and they are not participating in your content, then you could fall under misleading metadata. Um, they actually used to have, and you can probably still find it in the Google help pages if they've moved it over to there, um, but they actually had a specific blurb, I've got screenshots of it somewhere, that they had in the YouTube Creator Academy to where it, it specifically called out using another content creator's name in your tags is misleading metadata. Um, uh, so you definitely want to avoid doing that. Some people will will do that as a way to try to like, you know, they think that if they put that content creator's name in their tags as an example, that it'll cause some type of like data connection on YouTube, but like just a tag isn't going to, like one tag with that person's name isn't gonna make a difference there. So um, so only use another YouTuber's name or a celebrity or any of that, only use their, their stuff in your content if it's about them or if they're involved in the content in some way, like a collaboration or something like that. So for example, Brian G. Johnson to the house, if Brian and I were to do a collaboration, and I said, you know, how to get, you know, how to get more views on your videos um, in the next 24 hours with Brian G. Johnson, then in that case, that would be okay because it would be our collaboration. He would be the one sharing, you know, the majority of that content and things like that. So it'd be perfectly okay. But if I said how to get more views on YouTube in 24 hours with Brian G. Johnson and Brian's not in my video and let's say I use him in the thumbnail, you know, he's in the thumbnail and he's not in the video, there's nothing there, then I'm essentially trying to like hijack his name um, and it's misleading to the viewer. More importantly, it's misleading to the viewers who would click on that video expecting information about Brian G. Johnson. Uh, let's see here, Dan the Cake Cooker. Yeah, him too. Yeah, that, that would be the uh, that would be the next that would be the the, the next channel. <laughs> so uh, next up on our list here, we've got the furry and the fury. So they upload one time per week or more. They do animal behavior advice and review. Um, the goal of the channel is to teach people the evidence based techniques instead of using fear and pain. Um, the question is, I have around four hundred sixty subscribers. Cakes by Chapo, what's up, my man? Hope that you're doing awesome. Nice to see you in here. Um, says I have around 460 subscribers. I was thinking of streaming live and answering the public's questions, um, but because it's a small channel, I'm afraid no one will show up. Does YouTube promote scheduled lives? Um, should I do it? So YouTube will show scheduled lives to the people that they think are likely to enjoy that. Usually it'll be people that are, you know, already engaged in your channel in some way. Um, having a small channel before you're going live is perfectly okay. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is that it is possible that when you go live that you might have one person come in there. You might not have anybody come in there. Um, that is a thing that happens. So just a, a quick story for you, just to kind of push that fear aside a little bit. 
is um, when I, the very first live stream I did on my channel was a thumbnail tutorial. Um, I was showing people how to make a thumbnail um, in real time during that live stream. And I was testing that, learning how to do it so I could teach people, you know, how to go live as well, because that's something content creators need. And um, in that particular video, I had two people come in while I was live. And I was like, you know, I, I think the stream is like 30 minutes or something like that. And and at that time, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, there's people in here, you know, like, hey, welcome to the stream. And I was, you know, super excited about it and all that um, by having, you know, those two people in there, but they were the only two people that came through on that live stream. Um, after that stream, because I was doing it at that moment for the sake of learning how to do it. But after that stream, I didn't stream again until I had over 10,000 subscribers on the channel. Um, so I did have people come through, but you know, the, at that moment in time, my thing wasn't, you know, that I was going to be live streaming all the time or anything like that. Um, so a couple things to think about for anybody that's wanting to live stream and that has that fear about people not coming in. First off, your fears are typically based on, you know, the future. Um, they're typically based on, you know, our own, you know, insecurities in terms of like, you know, what if nobody's in this stream? That means that, you know, people don't like my content or people don't like me or like whatever the thing is because they're not coming in and hanging out in my stream. But that's not the case at all. Um, sometimes just the topic of the stream won't pull people in. Sometimes people just don't like live streams. Like I've done community polls um, on my channel and, you know, a large percentage of my audience, they don't even like live streams. Um, but for those of you that do like them, you know, we're here now. <laughs> but, you know, majority of the people that watch my videos, they don't enjoy uh, live streams. and They don't participate. And that's cool. That's fine. No, not a big deal. Uh, but you might find the same thing to where you might find them that a majority of your audience doesn't even like live streams. But you could also find the opposite to where, you know, majority of your audience might love them. And you're, you know, the people that come into your live streams might be and they're like, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for you to go live. I'm so happy that you went live and they might, you know, they might love it. But when it comes to any experimentation like this, first off, the way that you win is by pushing through any of those types of fears that you have. So if you're, you know, afraid of going live because you might not have viewers, the best thing you can do is go live. So you can just go ahead and get over that fear because if you don't, that fear is just going to keep climbing. And what's going to happen, and I can just, I can tell you this from experience, is, you know, when you go live at 460 subscribers, it's a totally different experience than when you go live when you have a bunch of subscribers. And going live to one person or no people is sometimes better than going live in front of 50 people or 100 people. And the reason for that is because when you make a mistake in front of one person or when no people are there, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, oh gosh, glad nobody was here. But when you like, when I mess up here in front of, you know, 200 and something, you know, 280 people, we've hit, you know, around 300 here and there. Like when I mess up, then there's a lot of people that see it. Right. So then that pressure, you know, gets gets more intense, like as you start having more people, you know, participate. So it goes in both directions. So I just want you to know that. But um, uh, a couple things to think about, though, when you go live for your first time, the best thing you can do is um, just go ahead and plan your live stream ahead of time so that you know everything it is that you're gonna be doing in your live stream. So that as soon as your live stream starts, you're not hanging out and just be like, hey, I'm gonna wait for some people to join. Just pretend like you have hundreds of people that are watching your live stream. And the reason that you wanna do that is because you wanna start your live stream, start you know sharing the information that you have about your animal behavior advice and actually start giving the content so that when you leave it up for the replay, people can still enjoy it as a piece of content because you started the stream, you came in, just started giving information just like I do here with these so that, you know, as people do come into these on the replay, if they want to skip around all that, like they can still get great information. But I make sure that I front load all of that stuff while people are coming into the stream so that as people are coming in on the replay, they know where they can find, you know, everything else. And on my news streams that I just started with those, when I do those live streams, same exact thing. I come in and I start, hey, you know, um, you know, welcome to YouTube News or whatever it is that I say there. And um, in that case, I'm 
that whole thing is designed for the replay. So I don't even interact with the people that, that come into that stream until I get through all of the news. And then I have just a little segment that I just recently started doing um, to where, you know, I just have some, you know, feedback and all that stuff um, where I just interact with people that hang out there. So, um, so when it comes to streaming to no one or just having, you know, a low amount of viewers, don't worry about it. Don't let it bother you. Just think of it as like, this is just a stepping stone. So, you know, this, this one stream that I do where I might have zero people or one people or 10 people or whatever it is based on, you know, cause everybody interprets, you know, what a lot of people is differently or, you know, what is enough, you know, everybody interprets that differently. So, uh, so just think of it like, Hey, regardless of how many people I have come into my stream, I'm taking the action of learning how to live stream, of learning how to do this thing so that as I progress through this process of being a content creator, that this is a skill that I'm developing. And in order to develop that skill, I have to, I gotta go live. So that means if 10 people hang out, if one person hangs out or a thousand people come and hang out, I have to go through this process of actually doing the thing in order to eventually get that, you know, get that thing that I'm after, you know, um, with the value that I'm, that I'm giving, the goals that I have, you know, for the channel and all that good stuff. Next, um, we've got David is the uh, is the name of the channel here. And uh, the type of channel is gaming. They do entertaining and practical tips in their gaming. The goal of the channel is love it, but I want to see it grow. Question, everything I examined, um, I test a lot, points to the fact that the YouTube algorithm directs traffic to established channels to maximize their own income. That's not true. Um, next, uh, they say that doesn't surprise me as Amazon, Google, um, Microsoft, Apple, et cetera, does the exact same thing. Every company on the planet of the surface does. Looking through comp competition glasses, it's easy to understand that YouTube uses competition to make money on our videos. This is why the algorithm boosts competition by a factor of 10, so the biggest channels can easily grow bigger and the small channels can, uh, can't really grow. They're ignored by the algo and YouTube makes a lot of money this way. Prove me wrong. Okay. So um, we just had somebody in here that grew their channel to 59,000 subscribers in their first year. That is impossible if YouTube limits small content creators. There are content creators as we're having this conversation that are that have went from zero to you know thousands of views just since this live stream has started that have just published their very first video that's happening all over the platform, all over the world on YouTube as we're having this conversation right now. The limited uh, uh, idea that you have here in terms of saying that YouTube prioritizes larger content creators over small content creators. The reason that you have that is a lot of people don't want to look internally and say, people aren't responding to my content because I'm not doing the right things. Um, people don't wanna do that. But within that, there is one part of what it is that you're saying that is correct. That is that when you have a larger audience, YouTube has a lot more data on your channel in terms of who is going to be a good fit for that content. In addition to that, they have a very good understanding of how people typically respond to the content that you're publishing. How good is it at keeping people watching, you know, and all that good stuff. Do people share it a lot, bring people onto the platform and all that. So the difference is, when I publish, let's say you and me, let's say we both made a video um, about, you know, on, on our channels about, you know, whatever our thing is, right? So we'll just say that, you know, we both made a video on our channels about, you know, um, an iPhone app or something. At the time of publish, my video is going to most likely do better than yours if you have 100 subscribers on your channel because I have a larger date, larger data set in terms of people that have interacted on my channel in the past. Plus, I have a lot of recently active people throughout my content on my YouTube channel. Where if you have 100, uh, you know, subscribers, there's a really good chance you don't even have a lot of content on your channel yet that is that is driving a decent amount of uh, of uh, real time views. So what happens is. When I publish my video, initially, I'll do better. However, 
that does not mean that over time, your video won't destroy mine in terms of the overall performance if yours gets a better response than mine does. So at the time of publish, I'll win. But long-term, that time of publish doesn't mean anything compared to if people start responding to your videos more than they start responding to mine, then then yours will do better long-term. So to put this one, you know, as an example for you as well, I have videos on my channel right now. I've got, you know, 800 and something thousand subscribers on my channel. I have videos that I've made for sponsors. Of course, you know, I have to, you know, do, we basically come up with the topic ideas and things that, that they want me to make and all that. But like, I have some videos on the channel um, from sponsors that, um, that don't even have like 10,000 views on them, right? To whereas there's plenty of people here in this chat right now that have less than a thousand subscribers that have videos with over 10,000 views on them, right? So like what you're saying right here, it's easy to punch holes in like all, you know, everything that you just said here, but there are, you know, that, that factor of the initial time of publish. But another thing to make sure that you are considering, is when it comes to ad revenue on YouTube, YouTube has a gazillion different channels they can show ads on. So yes, the larger YouTube channels do have a majority of the traffic on YouTube. And the reason for that is because they're huge for a reason. Like Mr. Beast, the amount of effort that he puts into his videos, you and I aren't willing to do that. And because of that, we don't get Mr. Beast results, right? Um, content type and all that stuff also plays a factor, but even still, like even if I was making entertainment content, I know that I'm not gonna do it at the level that he does it. That's why he's Mr. Beast and I'm not. Right. So the same exact thing goes for, you know, everybody here, you know, when we are, you know, um, when we're putting our content together, like if people, you know, are responding well to it, if you have a small channel, you can get a million views on that video. If you have a large channel, you can get a million views on that video. If you have a small channel, you're not guaranteed to get 10 views on that video. If you have a huge channel, you're not guaranteed to get 10 videos on that either. There are plenty of huge YouTube channels that get zero traffic at all. They publish a video and people just don't respond to it it um, anymore, or they've changed something and people just don't respond to what it is that they're doing. So channel size is not a guarantee of video performance. And you have to understand that because as soon as you start putting this limit about, you know, YouTube or whatever platform it is that you're on, um, doesn't, you know, doesn't, you know, promote my content or whatever. As soon as you start doing that, you're taking the responsibility off of yourself, right? But you have to own it and you have to look in the mirror and say, I'm getting the results that I'm getting because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the results that I'm getting based on what it is that I'm putting into what it is that I'm doing and what it is that I'm willing to do the way that I'm thinking about what it is that I'm doing right now, the skills that I currently have, the understanding that I currently have, like this is all on me and you have to own it. Now, of course, like I said, at the time of publish, things are different, but in terms of the long-term performance of videos, you have just as good a chance of getting a million views as I do. All right, so uh, let's see here. I love I love those comments. Like uh, um, that particular one, um, I argue with people on Reddit with that one a lot. <laughs> that's like my outlet, right? Like I, I uh, that that's my uh, that's my that's my thing with Reddit as I come in there for uh, for those. So um, let's see here. Chan uh, Chan Samuai's kitchen says that they do uh, cooking content. The goal of the channel is to earn side income, and the question is. For cooking channel, um, what should I take a, um, should I only take a picture as a thumbnail or should I take a picture and edit, put words in the picture? Which do you think will get more clicks and views? Thank you. Um, I think you should experiment with both. 
Um, if you take a uh, if you take a high quality photo, then in that case, you know you can absolutely just focus the imagery on the food and just make it you know look delicious. Um, in that case, I would experiment with that, and I would experiment with you know a str- I would always put a strong focus on the food because that's what the content's about, and that will help people that are interested in food content identify at a glance without having to think about it that it's about um, that it's a you know something related to food. Um, so because of that, I would always use the food in there. Um, however, when it comes to text, in a lot of cases, like you don't even need text and thumbnails, um, especially with that type of content. So text can be helpful. Text can carry a lot of weight in a thumbnail. In some cases, all text thumbnails will also get, you know, clicks on them. But when you are focusing in your particular case, taking a really good picture, making sure that you're like being intentional about it. Don't just be like, hey, it's sitting on the table. You gotta take a quick picture and just make it my thumbnail. Like make sure the lighting's good, take some few pictures, you know, adjust it in your camera, put it into like Snapseed or something like that or Lightroom on your phone, make some adjustments to it to make everything pop and make it nice and saturated and all that. And then and then, and then then publish it. But, but you don't, uh, just make sure that you know that you don't have to put text in your thumbnails, but text can help support, you know, ideas and things like that. And in some cases, just putting, you know, all text, you know, can, can do the thing too. So uh, I'll see here next up on our, uh, next up in our list. Oh yeah. Another thing here on that, on that small channel problem um, that we're talking about before is magic prepper here mentions that all channels start small, right? Which is also, you know, another very valid, you know, point. Every large channel on YouTube started out as a small channel on YouTube with like no interaction at all. Everybody had to get there. So uh, Style Setter says that they, um, let's see here, been making videos for one year or more. They do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to make uh, the hobby into a job. And the question is, any tips on finding the time to make videos as a full-time working family person? So Viper, man about tech. What's up, my man? Hope you're doing awesome. Welcome to the stream. Hey, dude, if you get the chance, will you send me just like an audio clip um, uh, of, you know, just like, what's up, people? I would love to just have that trigger so I could hit it uh, so I could hit it when you come in. <laughs> but uh, it says, any tips for finding the time to make videos as a full-time working family person? So the challenge that you have um, uh, when it comes to having, you know, a family, a social life, a job, plus a YouTube channel is it's really um, like you like you have to mix the type of content that you make with something that's sustainable. So so like part of my presentation actually at VidSummit um, is about you know creating just like a rock solid foundation for your YouTube channel, and this is part of it. So like I'm not saying it's part of the presentation, but I mean it's part of you know like 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 this idea is, you know, going to be part of the presentation. But like, um, when it comes to, you know, balancing things out, some people that have a little bit of time will want to make content that will take up way more time than they have available. So one of the things that you have to do is if you want to do YouTube is one of the things that you're doing is you have to make sure that the content type that you choose to make or the, you know, subject matter that you choose to talk about or show, or like in your case, you're on gaming content. You have to make sure that the content that you choose to make, that you do have, you know, that you can make the content that is fast enough to make that you can work it into your schedule. And the reason for that is because if you don't, then then what's going to end up happening is you're is you're going to not ever have time to be able to do all the things that you got to do. So I unfortunately had to make that call a long time ago myself as well as part of my journey. So I started another channel. Um, I started this channel and then I ended up working on another channel for like nine months great channel love i absolutely love that channel 
I love the content over there and everything, but the content at that moment in time in my life and you know everything else that I was doing, I just didn't have the time to, to, to maintain it. So because of that, I ended up just completely burning out and all this stuff, and it, it, I ended up having to leave that channel because I just couldn't fit it into, you know, into my lifestyle at that moment in time. So because of that, I had to come here back to this channel and I had to start talking about, you know, the things that I was also dealing with at that time, um, just because the channel that I was making on this content, I, it was, you know, stuff that I knew about, you know, based on the experiences that I was having. So it was just easier and faster content to make. So I knew that I was hooked on YouTube. I knew I had the bug. I knew this is something that I wanted to do, but I just had to figure out like, okay, I'm, I'm committed. Like I'm going to do this, but I just have to figure out like where I can do it in a way to where I can continually do it without it just driving me, you know, nuts and not giving me, you know, any, any, any time because, you know, I want to do something that I enjoy, not something that's going to completely stress me out all the time because I don't have any time. So, um, so because of that, when you are, um, you know, trying to balance these things out, the very first thing that you have to think about is, you know, how much time do I actually have that I can work on this? So since you're a gamer, I'm going to guess, since you're making gaming content, I'm going to guess that you're playing games, you know, uh, you know, at least a fair amount of time. So you have time for that. So if you have time for games, then in that particular case, maybe taking, you know, some of your game time and just cutting it in half and saying, okay, since my gaming is my leisure thing and right now um, I'm trying to turn my hobby into a job, part of monetizing this gaming thing is making YouTube videos for it. So therefore I'm going to take my gaming time and I'm going to cut it in half and I'm going to only give myself a certain amount of time playing the games that I'm recording my content for. And then I'm going to spend the other half of that time actually putting the content together to publish videos onto YouTube. Because it's really easy to get you know sucked into the game and just spend hours playing the game, but how much time do you actually need in order to get the content that you need in order to, you know, to, to, to make YouTube videos out of it? So this is one of those moments to where you have to, you know, you have to make the call on, uh, you know, like, what do I prioritize? And then, you know, by doing that, then you're going to, you know, kind of force yourself to answer some questions about, you know, how you're spending your time and things like that so that you can, you know, do the thing that you are wanting to do the most. Um, and within that, Another thing that can be helpful as well is when you are, you know, publishing content and you're trying to balance all this stuff out is if you schedule your day and you schedule your week and all of that based around the, the commitments that you already have, then you can see the holes in your schedule and you can say, oh, hey, I've got like three hours on Wednesday. I've got two hours on Tuesday. I've got, you know, five hours um, on Thursday. I've got one hour on Friday and you can start seeing over the course of the week. Okay, these are all the all the places where I can where I can fill in with making the content for my YouTube channel and schedule them in just like you know at you know on your, your job you got to wake up at like nine o'clock or you know I don't, you got to be there i think at nine o'clock for, for, for the jobs so like you got to show up there at nine o'clock um so you know that you have to wake up at a certain time and you have to do certain things in order to make sure that you show up at your job so if you're wanting to turn your hobby into your job then what you have to do next is you have to say okay i have to make my hobby as important as that as well. So of course you gotta keep the income coming from your job, but what I'm saying is you have to sacrifice some other things within your schedule in order to make sure that you can take the steps necessary in order to turn you know, your hobby into either you know, side money or your actual job. So hopefully that helps. But at the end of the day, schedule it, right? If you schedule it in and make it a priority, then, then you'll, you'll get it done. Next up, we've got Love With Jay. Love With Jay. 
says, uh, let's see here. They have a channel about tips to improve relationships and the goal of the channel is to help people and someday hopefully make this my full-time job. That seems to be a theme today. And the question is, hey, Nick, I started my channel a few days ago and I want to make videos about tips to improve relationships. Um, hey, congratulations on the creator side, right? Becoming a, you know, hopping over here to this side of, um, of YouTube. Says, uh, but I've been analyzing the niche and I see it's very saturated and the big channel's already well positioned. How can I grow and make a place for myself? Or do you recommend looking for another niche with less competition? Thanks for your videos, God bless you. So when it comes to deciding the content that you wanna make um, you know, for your YouTube channel, one of the things that are really important to consider is that you're gonna be doing this for a while. And since you're gonna be doing this for a while, it's really important to make sure that you are considering that you're making, that that you are deciding to make content around something that you really enjoy and that you love talking about because you're gonna be known for that. You're going to be making content about it all the time. You're gonna be reading you know, different stuff about it, watching different videos about it and all that stuff so you can stay up to date with everything. So because of that, it's really important to make sure that you are making content about the things that you enjoy the most so that you can ensure that you're going to see it through, that you're gonna continue making content and all that. Um, so I'd really make sure that you, um, that you make that as a priority, not if it's saturated or not. Because here's the thing with content that's saturated is if you are not making the content, it's not saturated. So what I mean by that is if you look at gaming, you would think to yourself like, oh, there's a gajillion gaming channels, which there are. But because there's a gazillion gaming channels, then I probably don't even have a chance to, you know, to kind of rise to prominence, so to speak, in the gaming world. That is incorrect. The reason that it's incorrect is because when you start making gaming content, you're going to be doing gaming content with your personality and with the way that you do things. You're going to be putting videos together based on your tastes and the way that you like things. You're going to be using little highlight moments that you like, that you think are funny, that you think are entertaining, that you think people should see. And those are all the little things that are going to help you stand out to other people that that see things the way that you do in that regard. So because of that, even if you're coming into something that's extremely saturated, the fact that you are coming in with your twist, so to speak, um, or your you know your points of view, that by itself is the thing that is going to uh, you know help you stand out in that space. And just because there's a lot of other people doing it doesn't mean that people aren't going to respond to you when you're doing it. The fact that there's a lot of other people doing it and that there's a lot of other successful people doing it that shows you that it's possible. That shows you that through their success that you can also do something similar and have similar success or maybe even greater success because they've already they've already even you know proven the concept or paved the path in terms of you know them proving that you know you can grow a large channel in the gaming world so because of that it's really important to not look at content and think to yourself like, oh, it's completely saturated, but instead look at it and think, okay, there's a lot of people doing this. And you know, you could say that it's saturated, but what can I do that's just a little bit different, that can add just a little bit of a different type of value that can help me stand out from this sea of other people that are making content like this. And when you can identify that thing, first off, you as the person, like you are a huge part of that. Um, but then if you can also come in with just some additional things that might help you stand out a little bit, then you know, those are the things that will separate you from everybody that's trying to copy each other and trying to do you know the same things that all the other gamers are doing and all of that. So um, so because of that, make sure that when you come into it, you come into it with that you know that idea of like what can I introduce to this space? How can I do things a little bit a little bit differently? And uh, Chantel says, uh, put the U in YouTube. Absolutely. Shelby on Safari says, embrace what makes you unique. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All the, yeah. All the way around. Cakes by Chapa says, nobody does what I do like I do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So uh, that's why you're the cake man. <laughs> so next up on the list, we got uh, Summit the Dragon. Summit the Dragon says they do art and entertainment content, goal of the channel is to make others laugh and to get 100 subscribers. The goal of the channel, I said that one already. The question is, how do you promote a live stream beforehand? I've only gotten two um, randos on my YouTube live stream. How do I get more randos on my live stream, so to speak? So um, schedule it in advance. When it comes to promoting it, um, you can you know share it out on your other social media accounts and things like that. But if you schedule it in advance, then you know some of your you know, people that are interacting with your content will see it, and then they'll get the option to uh, hit that reminder or not. In addition to that, make sure that you do, um, if you do schedule it, make sure that you do have that section on your channel page um, where it will show your scheduled live streams for the people that will hit your channel page. Next up, um, GTA Tips is the name of the uh, channel. Cool. Gaming content. Um, the goal of the channel is to make an income. And the question is, in the analytics window, I can follow a video's views in real time. It says 4,087 views in the past hour, but when I look at the video from a stranger's perspective, it says 3,000 views. Why is there a difference? Um, after a few hours, regulates both numbers 30 to 40% down. Why? So basically, the views that you're seeing are the views that are coming in. The views that the public are seeing are the actual verified views. So on YouTube, there's bots running all over, as you've probably experienced with some of the explicit, you know, um, uh, channels that have, you know, posted a few times here that the mods hopped on really quick. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, but basically, there's tons of bots all over YouTube, and um, those bots are interacting with content. In addition to that, some people, you know, will have multiple browsers open, that sort of thing. Um, and YouTube is tracking like all of these, you know, different things, and they are verifying those views as they're coming in. That's why you see a delay on your end compared to what the public sees is because in your end you just see like the bulk of like what's happening but what they show is is the uh is is the delayed version so to speak to where in a lot of cases what you're seeing will end up being on you know will end up showing publicly but in some cases you'll see a little bit of a discrepancy but there is a little bit of a delay there based on what you see and, and what the public sees but it's because they're verifying the views the system is verifying the views there's not like a person like bob Bob is sitting there in some little booth somewhere and he's like, yep, legit, 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 legit. Oh, there's a bad one. Here's a bad one. Here's, oh, there's another bad, oh, legit, legit, legit. Yeah, you know, Bob isn't in there doing that, but uh, their system is. <laughs> so Constantine is our uh, is our next uh, channel here. Uh, Constantine says that they are getting ready to start their channel. The kind of channel is photography, gear, and travel. The goal of the channel says I want to become self-employed doing what I love. And the question is, should I upload my vlogs to my gear photography channel or will this dilute my content? Maybe I should combine it with vlogs in a cool location where I review gear. Making some type of bridge like that where you're combining it with the, the topic that you talk about is a huge win. So if it's like a vlog, like, hey, because um, you're talking about uh, photography, photography, gear, and travel. So when you are making videos about photography, then every video that you publish, you want to be talking in some capacity about photography. If you're vlogging, you're taking people to the mall, you wanna be taking people to the mall because you're gonna be taking pictures at the mall and you're gonna be showing them that stuff or you're taking people to the mall because you're checking out cameras and you're gonna bring them along for that journey so they can get your opinions on the different cameras you're looking at, things like that. Um, so when it comes to you know the exact thing that you're putting out, you just wanna think of it through the filter of, these are the people that I'm trying to reach that are interested in, in you know, these particular things. If I were to publish this video on my channel, would it, would it be a home run grand slam for these people in terms of something that they would care about? If the answer is yes, then it's great to it's good to go. If the answer is like, eh, 
I, I put out all this camera gear stuff and they typically come in for this, but they're probably not going to care about like, you know, like me, you know, going to an amusement park, just hanging out. Right. So, um, so you just have to run it through that filter of, you know, for what my audience comes in based on the value proposition that I have for the channel, the value that I'm giving them, is this a good fit for, you know, for them or not? So for example, I could start publishing vlogs here and some people would watch them but it's not like the real core value that I offer. And because of that, you know, the likelihood of them just completely bombing would be would be huge. Initially, because it would be a novelty initially, initially they might do, do okay, but um, but long-term they would they would be likely to bomb. Unless I unless I just blew your socks off with the uh, with the vlogs that I put together. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know Nick could vlog like that. Then, then you know, it'd be different. But um, let's see here. So we got Rusty uh, Graffiti Reviews. Rusty Graffiti, blah, 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 says they do product reviews, paints, inks, markers, spray paint reviews, and other graffiti content. The goal of the channel is to share my 25 plus experience of a younger generation because and possibly, Jason, because and possibly make a little coin here and there, a little coin. And the question is, can you talk more about the future possibility of shared ad revenue with popular music artists? And will that count for already made videos um, or just use Nick's music, y'all? Yeah, just use our music, right? Use Creator Mix. But um, but when it comes to the future possibility, basically what they're going to be doing is it's just like an ad share, essentially, to where um, to where you, you know, you're basically going to be able to like split revenue and that kind of stuff um, with the, you know, the rights holders. So um, so with that, um, that information, I'm not like really in tune with it yet because it was just, you know, an announcement that was put out. But just like you, when those announcements come out, like I'll share what I know at that moment in time. And um, I still don't know tons about exactly what it is that they're gonna be doing with that. Once I do, then definitely ask, you know, ask that question in the future once they actually start rolling it out and I have some more information on it. But as of right now, I don't know the deep details um, of that to really, you know, to really, you know, lead you along on that one. So I'll go to the next question. So next up, we got First Riders. First Riders says they upload every other day. They have a gaming reaction channel. The goal is to get 1,000 subscribers. And the question is, how do you get subscribers? So people subscribe to YouTube channels for a bunch of different reasons. But out of all those different reasons, most of the time, it's because they really enjoy the content. So if you want to get more subscribers, then you have to make sure that the content that you're putting out, that it's as good as you know as you can possibly make it. And the people that are enjoying that content will subscribe. Of course, there are things that you can do called calls to action where you invite people to take a specific action. Um, one of those that we do here on YouTube is where we ask people to subscribe to the channel. Um, that is proven to be effective. Um, so when you ask people to subscribe, you are essentially reminding them that they have that option to subscribe. As YouTubers, we're thinking about subscribe all the time because we want subscribers, but for the, a, a civilian, somebody that's not a YouTuber, for them, they're not necessarily thinking about, hey, I wanna subscribe to these channels, I wanna subscribe, I'm watching this, hey, I'm watching this video, I better subscribe, I'm watching this video, I better subscribe. What they're thinking about is like, wow, that's interesting. Is that a, is that a pool in their backyard? Is that, oh, that's a cute dog. Oh, that's, that's adorable. Wow, I didn't, I didn't even know they had it. Oh, that's cute. Or they're thinking like, oh yeah, it's, you know, I needed to hear this today. That like really fired me up. This is exactly what I'm, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Now I'm gonna start my day and I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely crush the day today. Right, like they're thinking about stuff like that. They're not thinking about, should I subscribe to this? Should I not subscribe to this? Like what's going on? So because of that, those calls to action are helpful as just a little reminder that, hey, I make content like this on a regular basis. So if you're enjoying this video, remember to subscribe. Just a really quick blurb you can drop into your videos. But first, you gotta make sure you're making good content because if you're not making good content, you can ask people to subscribe until you're blue in the face, so to speak, and they're still not gonna subscribe if they're not getting you know any type of value out of the content. So because of that, you have to start with the content. So here's what I recommend. 
instead of like focusing right now on like, hey, how do I get as many subscribers as possible? Um, what I would like to uh, invite you to try is instead of thinking, how can I get as, you know, how can I get subscribers as fast as possible? How can I quickly get to a thousand subscribers? Swap that around and think to yourself, how can I add as much value to these people that are watching my videos as I possibly can? I'm making reaction videos to games. How can I make these as entertaining as humanly possible? How can I make this to where somebody clicks on this, they have no choice but to continue watching this. As they continue watching this, how can I put this together in a way that's gonna take people a minute further and then a minute further and then a minute further? Like focus on those things and then you'll you'll get subscribers. You won't even have to like question it. You won't have to worry about it. If you focus on like that value and, and that experience that the viewers are gonna have with your content, then all of the other things that you want from YouTube are gonna come. So like, for example, you know, we've had people in here, you know, talking about turning it into like a revenue source and things like that. Same exact thing applies in order to have all of these things happen that, you know, that people come onto YouTube for even, you know, growing your channel, connecting with communities of like-minded people and all of that, all of these things happen from, you know, good content. So you have to make sure that you're focusing on the viewer first and the, and what it is that they're getting from your content. And then, you know, as you start focusing on that, then as you start getting more people responding to your content and having a good experience with it, and you can see that reflected through the average view counts that you're getting on your videos, how those keep increasing, then, then at that moment in time, that is where you start thinking to yourself, okay, I've got regular viewers coming in. I'm getting, you know, X amount of views per video, which is awesome. Now, if I want to, you know, try to increase the rate uh, that people are subscribing to my YouTube channel, now let me start practicing your playing with or experimenting with some, you know, different calls to action and asking people to subscribe in like, you know, different places in my videos to see where people, you know, respond the most and those sorts of things. But first, focus on the viewer, creating great content for them. And then as you do that, then everything else will start to happen. And then that's where you start, you know, trying to fine tune things to increase the rate that those things are happening um let's see here so as we keep on uh as we keep on going here we have man those things are just popping in here like crazy this is another problem with youtube right now is like for like for example right like this channel name right here that they that the mods just took down you guys probably um yeah it's, it's still floating here so these channel names even though the mods take it down, those channel names are still there. Like YouTube, as soon as a mod deletes a message, maybe I'm just seeing it, I don't know if everybody else is, but as soon as a mod deletes a message or they hide, uh, you know, they hide the, the, the channel or whatever, as soon as that happens, it should just disappear, right? It should disappear instead of just leaving it in the chat right there. Um, the same exact thing goes with the actual like text that's used in here, because this is a bot. This isn't a person coming in here doing these things. This is a bot. So, that phrase, they could take that phrase, they could put it into a thing just like they do in their, um, just like they do in the blocked words list, and they could stop those channel names from even being allowed on YouTube, but they don't. Yeah, that's that's the second problem that we have. Uh, yeah, Renee's in here. He's like, yeah, I'm reporting them all. <laughs> yeah, like that. that's another thing. So like, uh, this is great with you hanging out in here, right? Because you can like relay all this. So like, uh, yeah, man, like like that thing where the, these uh, these bots are hitting these live streams. I was in a I was in a, a music live stream yesterday, and these things were just running rampant in there, and they didn't have moderators, so this stuff was just polluting, and it was just like you know bot after bot after bot was in there just hammering this live stream, and it had like thousands of people in it. Like this sort of thing can be handled so easy by just taking what they already do in the blocked words list and applying it to uh, applying it to channel names. These terms are not allowed as channel names. So easy. And I'm not even a coder. 
<laughs> to me, it's easy. But the devs at YouTube are probably like, oh my God, it's like the hardest thing ever. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Uh, so Renee says that they're working, uh, they're working on it, but it's a far greater complexity with channel names than comment um, content because names are universal, comments are atomic. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure what that, uh, I'm not sure what that, uh, what that means on the, on the name is universal, but a comment is atomic. Also the name spreads across the platform, but a comment is isolated to the channel, I think is what that means. Yeah. So, but even in that regard, like words, right? Like, um, like, like the word, um, that, that is at the very beginning of theirs. Um, let's see here. They do. Yeah. That, that very first word on theirs, like that word shouldn't be allowed as a channel name. Um, uh, adult should be a name, um, but like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like adult. And then the word that comes after that, those two words back to back should not be allowed, uh, as a channel name dots dot, whatever, um, you know, that, that could be filtered out. Yeah. Like that's, that sort of thing is definitely a, uh, you know, definitely a, a thing they should put into play, uh, ASAP working on it every day. Fantastic. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so uh, next up we got Plant Obsessed. Plant Obsessed says that they upload to YouTube one time per week or more. The type of channel is vermiculture. And um, the goal of the channel is to teach people how to use worm farming to keep garbage out of the landfill. Oh, nice. That's cool. Um, the question is, thanks for all you do. I love your channel. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Can you speak to um, how people watching videos at one and a half to two times speed affects the video analytics? Does it change the percentage viewed or length of view? Does it hurt the channel? So um, if somebody watches half of your video, regardless of the speed, you'll still get 50% um, retention. However, the watch time that you're getting from that, if they watch it at double the speed, then you're gonna get half of the watch time. So a way to think about it is the amount of time that they spend on the page, right? So if they're watching it at half the speed, they're gonna spend half the time on that page compared to if they're watching it at regular speed. So therefore you get credited for like half of the, um, half of the amount of watch time because they're only watching it for half of the time, so to speak. Um, let's see here, next up on our list here, we've got Restaurant and Kitchen Info is the type of channel here and the channel is the 86th Street Project. And the goal of the channel is to help new line cooks that take up management roles or people new to the industry, um, to the restaurant industry. The question is, I've been working hard towards getting everything set up for future monetization, Spreadshop, for example. Um, I'm at 350 subscribers and growing steadily. My question is, when do brands start to actually notice you or when is it a good time to start reaching out to brands? Do brands even pay attention to you if you have less than 10,000 subscribers? Any info at all about the brand process would be helpful. So first off, um, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the um, size of your YouTube channel, um, it does matter to an extent. However, when it comes to brands noticing you, some brands will find you through like YouTube search and that sort of thing. But the best thing that you can do as a content creator is to write down a list of all the companies that you wanna work with. When you write down that list of companies that you wanna work with, start doing outreach for them. So what that means is start reaching out to them, let them know, hey, I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I'm just getting started. So, you know, you probably don't work with channels of this size, you know, at this moment in time, but I just want to let you know I'm here. So as my channel grows, you know, and all of that, um, I'm here in the event that you do any type of influencer marketing campaigns or anything like that, just, you know, keep me on your list. And then by doing that, you're just letting them know, hey, I'm out, I'm out here. My channel exists. So if you do, you know, need me for something, I'm here. <laughs> and by by putting yourself out there like that with all the different companies over time, as people, you know, are doing influencer marketing campaigns and things like that, some of those people will reach out for you. And when they do reach out to you, 
um, one of the things that they will look for is they'll look for engagement. So one of the things that content creators often think is they think that they have to have huge subscriber counts in order to, to get brand deals, but what they actually need is an engaged audience. So even though you might not get as much because you know maybe your view counts aren't as high or maybe you don't have as many people engaging at a high rate, um, even though uh, that can happen, at the end of the day, what the brands are looking for is, you know, how engaged is this community here? And the reason they look for that is because the whole point of influencer marketing is that they are leveraging the creator who already has trust with the audience to bring attention to their brand. So it's a way of adding trust to a brand that people might not, you know, already be familiar with. So when they are doing that, in a lot of cases, a lot of companies, especially if they don't have big budgets, they will actually intentionally go after smaller content creators. So it's called a micro-influencer um, in that case. So they go after smaller content creators because they know, one, that they can get a, uh, a lower fee, right? So they can get in front of more, or they can basically work with more content creators for a lower price. But when a channel's smaller, the, okay, here's how, I'll, here's how I'll, I'll say this. When you're first getting started on YouTube, it's really easy to interact with every comment, to follow up with all of your comments, to talk with everybody, to know everybody's names, all of those things. As your channel gets bigger, then things start getting cloudy. And then as it start get, starts getting a lot bigger and you start having a lot of people interact, especially over time, then it starts getting just confusing. And it's really hard to keep track of things and keep track of names and, you know, all of those sorts of things. And what happens is, you know, you do ha still have that engaged community, but in some cases, you just might not be as close um, as you are when you have a smaller channel. So there's a period of time when it comes, you know, when you have a YouTube channel, um, and in some cases, you know, some people are, are talented enough um, or they are um, good enough, I should say, to where they can, you know, carry this, carry this along. Like, for example, if you look at um, Harris Heller, he's really good at this. Um, his, his community building skills are off the charts and not just by like growing, but by growing and keeping people engaged. He's really good at that. Um, so basically when you have a really engaged audience like that, then it makes you extremely valuable to brands because, you know, they, because you have all that trust, you have those people that keep coming back and they keep interacting with what it is that you're doing. And one of the things that, that brands look for is that, right, that, that level of engagement. But if you're, if you're a smaller channel, but you have a really engaged audience, then that's enough for a brand. So for example, like on this channel, like um, we had a period of time to where, you know, like as we were, you know, progressing through things to where like I could, you know, like I could name most of the people that were hanging out in the chat, you know, things like that. And um, and now it's at a place to where I'll recognize, you know, people as they come in and then you know, like I start, you know, noticing people and then I'll know people by their channel names and things like that. Every now and then like a certain channel name will stand out and it might be their first time in the chat, but because the name is clever, it'll just stand out for whatever reason. And then there'll be people that, you know, that, that you'll, you know, just like notice more than other people, so to speak, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, and, you know, because of that, it kind of dilutes that connection, you know, a little bit. So it's just a really hard thing to maintain. But what I'm trying to express here is as a smaller YouTube channel, um, because you do have that deeper connection with the people that are interacting with your content at scale, with the majority of the people that are interacting with your content, it makes you it makes you extremely valuable to the people that, you know, to the, to the companies that are um, working with micro-influencers. All right, next up. So we've got, uh, let's 
see, we got the Christian Hardscaper. The Christian Hardscaper says that they do landscape construction and how-to and vlogs. And the goal of the channel is to share my work and teach others how to install patios, walkways, and walls. And the question is, hey, Nick, I hope all's well. I hope all's well with you as well. All's good here. Um, the question is, the time that I have had to make and upload videos lately has been very little. I'm only uploading one video per week for the past couple of months. My analytics reflect this for sure. I have plenty of content on memory cards and hard drives, just no time to put it together. I own my own business, so the work, life, and YouTube balance has not been the greatest. In your opinion, what's a perfectly balanced upload schedule? I know perfect is not always possible. Uploading once a week is perfectly fine. Um, however, if you want to ramp it up, or if you want to, you know, just like, you know, just, you know, maybe get some help with making better videos and stuff like that. Um, if you make the content, focus on running your business, make your content and look at YouTube. If your content is something that is going to be, you know, supportive to your business, then what you can do because you're showing people how to do it. And by showing people how to do it, you will end up over time generating like leads and sales and being able to do a bunch of additional things with that too. But basically when you are recording the content, it doesn't mean that you have to be the one editing it and put it all together. Um, there's services out there. You can go to vidcharge.com. Um, we do it over there. Um, you can go to, uh, let's see here, vidchops. They do it. Um, you can find people like on uh, onlinejobs.ph. Uh, you can find people on upwork.com. Um, all of these places, they have people that will, uh, that you can pay to edit your videos. So in your case, since you're running out as a business, you could make this a business expense of sorts and have your YouTube channel to where it is, because uh, you're doing landscape construction and then your channel is teaching people how to install patios, walkways, and walls. So what you can do is you can have this as a business expense and just hand it off and just have somebody else edit your content for you. And then you don't even have to worry about that side of things. You can just focus on making the content, having you know some of your crew help you make the content while you're doing all your different jobs. And you can just be pipelining content to uh, you know to your editor and then having that person put your videos together and then you can you know be publishing them to the channel. And then by doing that, you're gonna reserve a ton of your time so you can focus on growing your business and making the content. And then you can have you know somebody else actually putting the videos together. Um, let's see here. So Renee says, uh, fun test, try one, two, three, four videos a week, then go into advanced analytics, um, do videos per week versus average views per viewer, see where the demand saturation point is, watching more versus choosing between. Good call, good call, good call. Pro tips right there. <laughs> Next up, we've got Max the Rocket Guy. Max the Rocket Guy says that uh, they do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to make viewers happy. And the question is why the amount of views that I get on a video um, is unstable. Once I get 900 views in a day, but the um, but got 20 the other day and how to get more comments on videos. So views are unstable because YouTube is just showing your content to people around the platform. And then, you know, you're getting views coming in based on how they respond to it. But in addition to that, you got to remember YouTube has an inventory, a huge inventory of content that they are putting in front of people. Um, with that, they typically prioritize new content as they're testing it, but then, you know, they will continue to show older content that performs as well. So because of that, they can, you know, they might give you, you know, more impressions on one day than another day based on just, you know, the current content that's being put out and all that. It's a humongous ecosystem. And because of that, you know, things are always up and down. There's a, there's definitely just a general seasonality to YouTube in general. Um, so because of that, um, you know, just make sure that you, uh, you know, keep that in mind when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, you know, your, 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 your videos uh, and video performance in general, just being inconsistent. Uh, Damon Varial is the, uh, is the next person here on the list and the uh, type of channel, it just says two subject two subjects. And the question is, 
Hey Nick, I also live in Asia, so good evening. Good evening. Says, my question is a bit convoluted, so if you think it won't help other listeners, feel free to skip it. Um, in short, I'm a stock trader by trade, but my hobby is true crime. My stock trading channel had 6,000 subscribers a few months ago. I recently started making true crime documentaries for fun, and now I have almost 40,000 subscribers as a result. The problem is, is that my stock-related sponsors will not sponsor my crime-related documentaries, um, only my stock-related videos. I want to transition into doing crime documentaries primarily, and that is my passion, but if I do so, I won't have any of my current sponsors. My question is, what's a good way to convince my sponsors, such as stock brokerages, that I can expose them to a new audience of potential customers? Are there specific metrics in the analytics tab that sponsors like to see? I ask this because I have many unrelated sponsors on certain videos. Okay, such as uh, Raid Shadow Legends on non-gaming videos and HelloFresh on non-food related videos. Um, or should I just give up and find sponsors of my crime videos, but who would sponsor a crime documentary video and how would I reach out to them? I'm so lost on this aspect of my channel, thanks in advance. So one of the things when it comes to sponsorships is also thinking about the audience that you are getting in front of. So for example, even though your true crime content, and I, I'm, I'm speaking to, um, I'm speaking to this from the perspective of somebody that would be advertising, um, you know, on on a video. So when it comes to the stock trading people, the reason that they want to to advertise on your stock trading content is because those people are a perfect fit for your for your for for, for their campaign. Whereas on your true crime content, even though it's going to get their message in front of you know more new people that maybe not, might not even know about stocks. Um, the downside of that is that they're getting in front of people that might not even know about stocks or stock trading. So because of that, the amount of views that you're going to need on that true crime content in order to have a similar conversion of people that are already, you know, primed for their campaigns, um, is going to be substantially higher. So that's, you know, most likely the reason that they don't want to go in that direction. Now, when it comes to gaming content, like, you know, um, uh, raid shadow legends in their case, gamers watch everything right where you know people in stocks you know that that trade stocks they also watch everything but there's a difference in the type of person that consumes stock related content that person is going to be a much different type of person than somebody that just happens to watch true crime content that also does stocks right because the person that's watching the stock trading content they're a much more committed person they're much more involved all of that which means that they're probably also going to be likely to use tools and services and things like that to help them out whereas the person that you might be introducing to it they might not be as likely um uh, because you know maybe you're just introducing you know the whole idea of you know trading stocks to them in the first place so when it comes to you know that sort of thing that's why you have trouble uh you know getting those people to cross over now of course if it is something general like food in that case everybody eats so you know like the gaming example and the food example that you gave if you put that in front of anything then it's still you know it's still most likely going to reach a decent amount of people that are going to be you know uh interested in that but in some of those cases also they also have the budgets that they can put in front of people and they understand their conversions of you know, when we advertise on this type of content, then we typically convert like this. When we advertise on this type of content, we typically convert like this and so on. So because of that, oh, hey, I'll get that right now, Doug, thanks. But so because of that, you know, it's it's a difficult ask for the company when you say, you know, hey, um, you know, we're doing awesome over here, but now I want you to sponsor this content over here that's completely unrelated to anything to anything that you do. 
So, you know, so I understand it from, from their perspective there. Um, so what I would do in that case is I would just try to, like, I would keep your stock trading stuff going so you can keep, you know, the sponsors over there, but then I would do your true crime channel and I would try to find sponsors for that. And I would just lean more into the, the general sponsors, um, like you're already working with like uh, raid shadow legends and, um, and hello fresh as an example, and try to get them into maybe longer term contracts to where you have, you know, longer or deeper, um, relationships with them. Um, so I have a super chat here that I missed and I apologize massively for the delay um, on this one. It looks like you dropped this one. Let's see here from Jason Stallsworth. So that's a pretty high one here. Let me look for that one. Okay. Sorry about this, Jason. That was uh, a while back here. Super chat. So um, let's see here. So it, uh, thanks for the super chat first. It says, um, thank you for all the content. I'm not sure if you'll have time, but I just submitted a question regarding expanding my channel versus starting a new one for a specific type of content. Still music related, but different. Um, Jason, if you could put that, um, if you could just put your question here, because I'm not sure where exactly it is in the form. So if you could just put it here, um, then I can just go ahead and answer it here. Um, I can just go ahead and answer it here for you instead of uh, waiting to get into the form because depending on when you put it in, you know, we may or may not get to it um, based on the amount of responses that we have in there right now. And um, and while I'm in here, um, I'm going to, while I'm waiting for him to uh, to drop that, I'm going to answer two more that came in here as well. Super so Steve chat. Oatley, um, apologize for the delay on yours as well, asked what model cameras am I using in my studio? So this camera, let me turn off the switcher just so you can see quality differences and stuff. So this right here is a Sony a6500 with a Sigma 16 millimeter 1.4 uh, lens on it. That's what this one is. This one here is another um, Sony a6500 with the same exact lens, the Sigma uh, 1.4 16 millimeter. This one here is another Sony a6500, but the lens that I have on this one, um, cause it's it's just a little bit further back than the than, than this one right here, but it's pretty much on top of it. Um, this one right here has a 35 millimeter lens on it. And I think this one is a 1.8, um, I believe on the, um, on the aperture for this one. And this one here is a Canon 90D. Now with this Canon 90D, the lens that I have on this is a, I have no idea. I, I, I think I think this is a like 10 to 18 millimeter, I believe, but I'm not sure what the um, what the aperture is on this one. But the um, but that one's a 10 to 18 um, on the on the lens, but it's a Canon 90D. And do I have? Yeah, this one right here is a Sony ZV-1 with a built-in lens because it's just like a little like pocket camera. And then this one right here for like the you know for the for the for the gear shot is a uh, is a GoPro. Um, let's see here. So waiting for for Jason's question to uh, to come in there. And then the next question that we have here um, is from Boogie Boogie Blues and Classical Piano. It says, "Hey Nick, thanks for th hey Nick, thanks for these amazing streams. My pleasure. Glad that you are um, enjoying them. And thank you for the um, super chat there as well." Okay, so Jason says, my channel's been based on metal guitar, almost 50,000 subscribers, but I've recently started making tips for playing live solo acoustic gigs. Okay, so um, with your question, um, if that's what your channel's based on, are you asking if, let me go back up to your question here. Okay, so if you've built an audience of metal guitar players, should, okay, should I start a new channel for that? My concern was that all metal folks would like this, although my YouTube poll says over 50% wanted it. So here's what I recommend you do. 
publish a video um, on the acoustic guitar, see how people respond to it. If they respond well, publish another, see how they respond to that one. Just make sure that it's consistent. If they consistently respond, respond, then you can just change it to a guitar channel, to an electric guitar channel. It'll dilute it just a tad, but you'll still be getting in front of people that play guitar. Over time, you'll build up an archive of uh, acoustic content as well as the metal content that you already have. And then that way, as people, you know, see the different things that you're sharing, then, you know, you, you, you'll you be able to pull people in um, easily uh, with that one. So because of that, I would just experiment with it first. Make sure that the response matches the response to the poll, because just because somebody said that in a poll doesn't mean that they'll actually respond, you know, when it's just presented to them on a homepage. So, um, so because of that, um, test it on, you know, a few videos, see how people respond to it. And if they don't respond well, then in that case, start a new channel for it. Keep this one isolated as the electric guitar channel, then do another one as, as an acoustic resource. And then one of the things that you can do there is you can use your main channel as a bridge, as a filter of sorts for the acoustic channel. Um, the way that you do that is in all of your videos that you publish once you create that channel, if you even need to, um, is let people know that, hey, um, yo, hey, by the way, you know, we cover metal here, but if you also play acoustic guitar, I've got a, another channel for that. I put a link to it down in the description. And then that way they know that they can go and get some awesome acoustic guitar tips from you as well. I'm actually opening up your channel right now and I'm gonna subscribe because I'm actually watching this type of content right now also. <laughs> so uh, Driver Sensei. Welcome to the Nimanati. Welcome to the Nimanati. Make sure when you get the chance, you go to, let me find the right thing here. Go to nimanvip.com. It's right here on the screen right now. Um, go into that. Make That's going to redirect you to the members only Facebook group. Fill out all the information on the way in because um, that's how I verify that you are a member. Um, if you can do that before the stream is over today, um, then I can let you in there um, as soon as the uh, as soon as the stream is complete. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got... The next question um, here is uh, transforming transformer toys. That's cool. Um, the type of channel is toys, transformers, and third-party robots. The goal is to make money and share my hobby collection. The question is, most of my viewers are in their 20s and 40s. Since it's toys, should I make out channel videos for kids? Um, what are the positive and negative effects of doing that? Um, if your viewers are in their twenties and forties, that's okay. Like, you know, like if you are into the hobby and they are into the hobby, then, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, majority of your audience in the twenties in their twenties and forties. Um, however, if you're wanting to make the content for kids, you can do that, but just keep in mind that when you do make content for kids, it does come with restrictions. Um, so, you know, like, uh, 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 like, you know, comments, you know, things like that. Um, some of the different, you know, tracking things that they do are different. Um, so like you, you do create some hurdles for yourself. Um, if you start making content for kids, so that one's, you know, totally your call, but, um, um, there's nothing wrong. Just as a quick note of having an audience of, of 20 to 40 year olds. Next up, we've got uh, Melinda Maynard life on canvas. Uh, Melinda says that, uh, she's been on YouTube for less than a year. Um, she has an art channel. Um, the goal of the channel is to promote and share my art to build up my channel. So when I start canvassing, um, around Australia, I'll be able to promote Australia. And the question is, why do I, who do I contact? If YouTube takes down my channel, is there a way to get back all your artwork, which was scheduled for the year in advance back because I've lost a year's work as it did happen in advance. Is there another way to check copyright other than YouTube music as my art is still my own check? How do I drive more people to my channel? Okay, so in terms of if YouTube takes down your channel, so if you have experienced this, 
then um, then they have taken down your channel for you know some reason and there's you know most likely it's going to be you know you've gotten three strikes somewhere those three strikes could be community guideline strikes or they could be copyright strikes um, but either way it goes um, if you got your channel taken down then you know there's probably reason for that and if they took it down um, there's a good chance that you're probably not going to get it back however sometimes mistakes are made sometimes fraudulent claims are made that sort of thing so because of that um, if you do find that you have been wronged in some way and that it wasn't a legitimate, you know, takedown, so to speak, in terms of those strikes that you got um, were not actually legitimate, then in that particular case, <clears throat> excuse me, in that particular case, then the first place that I would go to um, is inside of every YouTube channel. There's a little support option down in the bottom left-hand corner. I would try that from a different channel because they've obviously taken down the one. Um, but technically, you're not even supposed to have additional YouTube channels if they take it down, but you got to do something in order to be able to contact them. Two, hop on Team YouTube if you feel that you were, you know, wrong or if they were wrong in the situation. Hop on Twitter and then at Team YouTube, let them know what's going on. They'll send you to some like help documentation. In other cases, they might, you know, directly say, hey, DM us and, you know, give us more information, whatever. Um, also, um, if you go to Google and you type in YouTube community forums, then you're going to see a, a website pop up. And within that website, you're going to have the option to where you can make a post and you can let people know exactly, you know, what happened to you and basically just kind of plead your case there, do it respectfully, do it professionally. And by doing that, then what um, you're doing is you're putting that information in front of people that might be able to help you at YouTube. Um, and I would say to go to Reddit um, and do it there, but because of, you know, the limitations that they put on, you know, uh, you know, their volunteers, um, that, you know, that isn't as um, effective anymore. But right now, um, just go to like the YouTube help um, pages or the YouTube uh, community forums, post there, tweet, um, tweet it at Team YouTube. Those are kind of the best chances that you have right now. Uh, let's see here. Next up. Oh, and, uh, and you know, YouTube support um, from, you know, inside of a YouTube channel. Yacht Waypoints says that they are getting ready to start their channel. They do informational hints and tips. And the goal of the channel is to bring good information to sailors and drive the um, traffic to my webpage. And the question is, what is the amount of videos that you would suggest to start with a new channel? Someone suggested that I start with four videos so that one can link to another. Does it really matter or just do once a week and start all four at one time? So some people will say um, to start a YouTube channel with five videos. Some people say four videos. Some people say just start uploading. So when it comes to like launching a YouTube channel, um, of course, if you have other content on there that they can watch, it can be a short, it can be a long form video, whatever, then you do give yourself that opportunity to where if somebody clicks on a video, they watch that video to the end, then you have something there for them if they wanna watch more, which then tells YouTube that, hey, these very first videos, people are watching multiple videos and all of that. If you start with at least more than one. Um, the reason that people say to start with, you know, like four or five is because then you have a lot more videos to where somebody really enjoys that content that they can watch more. Um, however, if you're like, I'm brand new to all this, like I don't even, like I'm just trying to like learn how to do this and like this is my first attempt at having a YouTube channel and all that, in that case, just get started. Um, of course, you can start with multiple videos if you want to, but it's more important that you just get started with, you know, uploading content because there's a lot to learn when it comes to YouTube. Um, a lot of skills that you know, need developed. You might come in slamming, like you might come in like, hey, I'm, I'm, I already know all the stuff. And then in that case, you know, if you do already know the stuff, you think that right out of the gate, you're gonna, you know, you have a really good chance of getting a lot of views right from your very first publish. Then in that case, that's where it's like, hey, maybe I should start with, you know, more than one video. But again, getting started is the most important thing because over time is where the ch channel is going to develop. Um, not necessarily, you know, at the time of, at the time of publishing that first video. 
Um, let's see here. Next up on the list, we've got Ghost Slayer. Ghost Slayer says they upload when they have time. They do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to be successful and make a great opportunity and get to know good people making money on YouTube, um, but community comes first and money second. Question, how can I be successful on YouTube to make good or at least decent content and how can I improve in many areas? Learning the skill sets. Um, so basically when it comes to YouTube, you have to learn how to make um, effective thumbnails. And by effective, I don't mean graphically pretty. I mean effective for the audience that you're trying to reach by helping them you know, recognize that your content might be something that they're, that they're interested in. In some cases that comes down to taking a really good photo. In other cases that comes down to having like a an amateurish photo that people respond to, but it just still conveys that information. In other cases, that means making something graphically intense. So you have to, you know, learn what it is that, you know, your audience responds to and learn how to do that very well. Um, in addition to that, you also have to learn how to um, compel people to click on something through writing. So what that means is, is essentially writing titles that would be compelling to people. Um, for example, how to make a pizza. We all know that's compelling because, you know, people love pizza. However, if you do how to make a pizza without an oven, all of a sudden it's more compelling because then there's unique value there to where people that have thought their entire lives, like, hey, I need an oven to make a pizza. Now they have their world unraveled by having this piece of content in front of them. Like, oh my gosh, I can make, I can make, I can make a pizza in a skillet. Are you kidding me? And then they click on that because now they just found out that they can make pizza without an oven, right? So then it becomes a little bit more compelling. How to make pizza in an oven or how to make pizza without an oven, um, how to make a pizza, how to make a low calorie pizza without an oven. Then right there, you just have another layer of it being either, you know, complicated in that case um, or just being more compelling because then in that case, you know, it's like, oh, wow, not only can I not make it in an oven, but it's also low calorie. And, you know, by all means, I want to eat a lot of pizza. So if it's a little bit lower calorie, then that's a massive solid, right, for me. So I'm clicking on that one. But the idea is learning how to do those things, right, to where instead of, you know, how to make a pizza, how to make a pizza without an oven, how to make a pizza without an oven in under, you know, 15 minutes or, you know, whatever the thing is. But the idea is just learning that side of it of how to make it compelling. I want pizza now too. Yeah, you know, is it too late? Yeah, it is too late to order pizza company right now. Or I might order it and just like hang out here on stream and eat pizza with you guys. <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, why not, right? But anyway, um, uh, uh, in terms of the skill set, you have to learn that. You have to learn the process of making videos. You have to learn how to get the videos to a competitive level for YouTube. Um, and that can mean a bunch of different things. So depending on the type of content that you're making, that means that you might need to learn how to react in a way that others find compelling or that they find interesting or funny. That means that you might have to learn how to be entertaining. That means you might have to learn how to work on your comedy to get jokes in there. That means that you might have to learn how to structure your content in a way that you know will keep people from getting bored when they're watching it, those types of things. But it's all just a, it, it's a process that, that you have to learn. So when you're wanting to be successful on YouTube and make good or at least decent content, you have to develop the skills in order to do that. So make sure you're watching videos um, on and just getting information on all of the things that I just listed and, uh, and applying them to your uh, uh, applying them to your channel. Transforming Transformer, my pleasure. Glad you are uh, enjoying the stream today. Hope that uh, that was good information for you. Um, Blue Boost says they do daily content. It's also gaming content. The goal is to make a sustainable income, at least $100 per month. And the question is, is it a good idea to make highlights of videos and put them on other platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, in hopes of promoting the content and getting new viewers? Yes, but if you are trying to get at least $100 a month, um, I, um, I recommend you think about it in a different way. So right now, the way that you're currently thinking about it is I have a YouTube channel that I'm going to monetize and I need to get it to $100 a month. Therefore, I'm going to use Instagram and I'm going to use TikTok as a means to drive people over to my YouTube channel so I can make that $100 a month. 
One thing to remember is you're a content creator. So that means that you can make some of your money on YouTube, you can make some of your money on TikTok and some of your money on Instagram. Yes, you can build those bridges to try to connect people. You know, you can use like the tube spanner social bio pages for that. That's actually a free thing that, that every tube spanner user gets. So you can find out more about that at tubespanner.com. But basically you use a social bio page and with that page, all you do is you put a link in your bio on like Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, TikTok. And technically, you can put it in your in your channel art um, on your or on your about me page and your YouTube channel as well. If you want to send traffic in both directions, but basically, in all your videos, you let people know, hey, you know, I've got you know a link in bio for you know more you know to find all my content or whatever, and you drive people to that, then they can find you there. But the thing that you got to think about here is that you can um, try to send people off platform off of those platforms, which ultimately will end up hurting your performance there, in order to get um, them watching your videos on YouTube which that's a, that's a hard transition to make. You can do it, absolutely. But it's just, a, you know, like if I'm on TikTok, I'm on TikTok because I want to be on TikTok, right? If I'm on YouTube, I'm on YouTube because I want to be on YouTube. So trying to get people to leave, it's a, it's a big ask for people. People do it, but it's a big ask. So because of that, drive people to that bio, but make good content, like take those clips and try to make them as good as you can so that you can perform well on those other platforms as well. And then you can grow your following on TikTok. You can grow your following on Instagram. You can grow your following on uh, on YouTube. You can get monetized on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And then you can be making money from all of those. And here's something to think about right now, when it comes to monetization on YouTube, they've got, you know, the shorts fund, um, you know, that you can tap into. Once you're in the partner program, actually you don't even have to be in the partner program for that. Um, and then you have, you know, the actual partner program. To get in the partner program, you have, you know, these qualifications that you have to go through in order to get into the shorts fund. You also have to qualify for that as well. So on these other platforms, you'll also have to qualify for monetization there. But the idea I'm trying to express is when you are putting your content out on all of these places, if you have the time to do that, if you're putting content out on all these places, instead of thinking like, I got to drive back to YouTube, especially if you're trying to get to a sustainable $100 a month, try to think of it from the perspective of, okay, if I'm going to be clipping these out anyway and putting them on these other platforms, why don't I just try to leverage these other platforms and try to make money on these other platforms too? So instead of just focusing all of my eggs into the YouTube basket, I can have a YouTube basket, an Instagram basket, and a TikTok basket that I'm that I'm bringing income from. And then not only is that going to help you get money faster, but that's also going to help you as your influence grows and as you start getting a bigger following, because then you're going to have followers on all of these platforms. You're going to have sponsors reaching out to you on YouTube. You're going to be able to let them know that you also have these other properties that they can, um, you know, that they can work with you on, which means that you're going to get more money from your brand deals. Um, you're going to have people reaching out to you on TikTok for brand deals there. You can let them know that you have Instagram and YouTube available, so you'll get more money from them. You'll have people reaching out to you on Instagram, and you're going to be able to let them know that you have TikTok and YouTube available, and you're going to be able to get more money from them there. So by taking that approach, what you're doing is you're making it easier to make that $100 a month sustainably. And you're also giving yourself a much bigger opportunity potential by putting yourself on those other other platforms as well. So a couple things to think about is when you're doing that on YouTube and Instagram, you can do it through the short form vertical content. And by doing that, um, those you don't have to learn how to get people to click there. You just have to make good content. So by doing that, you're also removing one of the hurdles that you have here on YouTube with long form content. Now you can also use that in the YouTube uh, shorts as well. And if you qualify for the shorts fund, then you can get some money there. But in the future, they are going to be, um, I know later this year, they're going to be testing um, super thanks in YouTube shorts as well. 
So, um, so you know, people will be able to monetize that way, but we, we need ads in YouTube shorts uh, is what we really need. But what I'm trying to express here is if you really wanna, you know, hit that goal, then I would actually, you know, I would use all of the platforms to try to help you meet that goal and you'll hit it faster. And then you can just build from there. Um, let's see here, Jason Stallworth. Hey man, I did get to your question. So I'm, I'm just gonna skip it because we already uh, we already talked about it. So I'm going to uh, just go ahead and skip it. But um, uh, but I, I did get to it. <laughs> Next up, we've got, uh, let's see here. A plus Russian says, you asked, so doing one two minute reply to a question, you know counter eight, um counter five. Disclaimer, none of it bothered me at all. It was flowing and smooth. Thank you for that. I appreciate I appreciate that. And that's horrible. For in two minutes, five ums and and eight you knows. Mm. Ooh, rough. Rough right there. Okay. So as we keep going, we've got this one, Truth007. They do educational content. The question is, do you need to have other social media platforms and starting a YouTube channel? Should you upload more than one video in the beginning in order to have a link in the end screen? So we covered the more than one video question uh, not too long ago. And for other social media platforms, do you need them when having when starting a YouTube channel? You don't need them. But when you do have them, it helps you to be able to connect with the people that are into your content in some of those other platforms as well. For example, if you have a Twitter account, then as your YouTube channel grows, then some people will follow you over on Twitter. They're most engaged people. And when they follow you over on Twitter, then if you have a new video you publish, you can let them know. If you have additional ideas, additional things you're trying to express, if you have feedback you're wanting, then you can get it from them. None of it's necessary, but it's helpful to have those other outlets to where you can connect with people that are into your content as your influence grows. The Creator Classroom says, are we taking a drink of water every uh or um? <laughs> yeah, if anybody here's in like university, then you know you could turn that into a game of sorts, I guess. Totally. So next up we got John Dimitri says they do guitar lessons. The goal of the channel is to share guitar lessons for songs that don't have them. The goal of the, or the question is a friend gave me some help figuring out part of a song and I gave him a shout out in the video and provided a link to his business Facebook page in the description. Do I need to check my video contains paid promotion like an endorsement? They helped you figure out a part of the song. They did not do that for the purpose of you putting a link in the description to them. So because of that, if it was me, I wouldn't I wouldn't mark it as a sponsored piece of content because from my view, that's not a sponsored piece of content. If YouTube would agree with me or not, I'm not sure. But for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't mark that as a piece of sponsored content because you gave him a shout out and you put a link to his business. Uh, I do that a lot. Like I, I I promote like you know all my friends that have you know their books and those things. I promote everybody heavily, and as long as they're not giving me anything in return, I can do that without without you know any problems without having to mark it as sponsored content or anything like that. Driver Sensei, thank you for the Says, hey, Nick and everyone's. Serious question, not. I want to start a channel called Shiny Bald Head Scalp Conditioning Massages. Yet, I have some hair. Can you co-host all in fun people, not bully? Yeah, totally, all day. We can do that. And beforehand, I can put like, you know, conditioning, you know, conditioner on my head and to where it's just like covered in white conditioner for every episode. <laughs> also joking. <laughs> 
So next up, we've got uh, Game Life 44. Game Life 44 says they do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to build a successful monetized gaming channel. The question, creating four months, 30 videos, 46 subscribers. Are gaming channels more slow growth compared to non-gaming? No, I, I wouldn't say that the gaming channels are slower, but I can say that different channels grow at different different rates regardless of the niche. So for example, if there's a new YouTube help channel, which there are, there's, al there's always new ones starting. Um, so if there's a new YouTube help channel, two of them that just started, then one of them will grow faster than the other one. If there's a new gaming channel, two different gaming channels start right now, one of them is gonna grow faster than the other one. Two different guitar channels, since Jason's here in the chat right now talking about guitar you know, stuff. If there's two different guitar channels, then both of them are gonna grow at different paces. If there's two different channels teaching people about Canva, they're gonna grow at different paces. Two different basketball channels, they're gonna grow at different paces. So it's just part of the thing. Like different channels always grow at different rates, not just based on the niche itself, but just based on the creators, the content decisions they make, how good they are getting people to respond from the outside of the content, how good they are getting people to you know enjoy the content once they put it together, all of those things. Upload schedules, upload cadence. Michaela Bacchineri, I hope I'm saying that correctly, I apologize if not, says that uh, the type of channel is marketing tips for health and wellness professionals, nice. The goal of the channel is to help drive traffic to my courses and live workshops. The question is, one of my videos, which has a very specific, which answers a very specific frequently asked question about how to cancel a therapy directory subscription, has nearly 10 times the views of any of my other videos. How can I use this data to inform my content strategy? Thank you. So when you have one video um, that outperforms the other, then that lets you know that that's what people are wanting from you. In terms of using that data to inform your content strategy, then if you prove through testing, you know, by uploading a similar video in terms of similar value that they're getting from this one, if you can prove that people consistently respond to this type of content, then what you would wanna do is as you're putting your content strategy together, let's say that you're planning out the next 90 days or the next six months, then what you can do is you can say, okay, I know these perform well on my channel because every time that I publish content like this, it typically does better than the other content. So because of that, I need to make sure that I'm publishing this type of content with some type of cadence attached to it. So for example, on my content, I know when I publish a video on you know, how new YouTubers can get views on XYZ, I know that that content performs well. So because of that, over a 90 day period, I'm like, okay, I know I have to make a certain amount of those for the sake of one, tapping into you know the new YouTubers that have come over onto the platform during those times and pull them in and introduce them to me. So because of that, I know that those typically go into more newer audiences instead of uh, you know people that are already involved in the channel they watch those too but those typically will get more new viewers than they will you know returning so it just pushes me into you know new people in those particular situations so I know that I have to make those as part of my regular content um, so you you know you use that information to help identify the content that people respond to so you can make sure that you're putting in things that are complementary or things that are similar that people also respond to on a regular basis so really quick. I need to step away for about 30 seconds. And in the meantime, I'm going to give you a music video to watch. Um, this is Brian G. Johnson, who was in the chat earlier, and myself doing a diss track to Daniel Battelle, who um, also did a diss track for Brian G. Johnson. This is all in good fun. Um, you know, we're all friends and all that, but I'm going to let you watch that while I step away for about 30 seconds. All this coffee's got to go somewhere. <laughs> Check, check, one, two.
I'm B to the G. It's easy to see what you need. It's attention from me. I'll give you the shout. Get back on the grind and you'll be down for the count. Trying to breathe. Your favorite is me. Now you hit with the diss. All of that hair hanging there like a chick. Man, give me a break. You're standing too close to the camera like Nick. Where is the claim that you say? Filmora is hate. Call me a thief for the titles you hate. I taught you the rank. You seem to forget it. I hit it and quit it. And you try to walk in my wake. I'm tossing you weight. Giving you shine. Giving you clout by doing this with my time. And what I'm about. Ryan, you guide. You come from my comfort. But now you're denied. You, you. Wanna, wanna throw, throw shade It's too late, I already got it made You, you wanna, wanna bring, bring hate Hit, hit the road, hater, cause I'm not phased If you're messing with G, you're messing with me The name is nickname and I'll bend in a knee Disturbing the peace, I'll come back into battle and murder a beat I heard you eat worms like a bird, like a tree Just like these words of defeat I think Feeny should draw you and make you a T They're waiting on me, who's waiting on you? If it wasn't for Johnson, you wouldn't have views or a clue you wouldn't know what to do. The only extremes I see is your food. This is just weak. Yes, I mean to be rude. Change if you see. All right. So we are back. So uh, let's see here. So next up on our list here, we have fun video, right? I like coming in and just saying like we're back, like pretending that you didn't just watch that. <laughs> so we got the crafty Puerto Rican says that they have been on YouTube for less than a year. They do crafting content. The goal of the channel is to share their craft and get monetized. The question is, followers are requesting videos in Spanish. Should I add content or create a new channel? Definitely add that to a new channel. Do not mix um, English and Spanish content on the same channel. Next up, we've got... Naked Truth by Dr. Melanie. Naked Truth by Dr. Melanie says that they upload when they have time. Uh, they do natural health and beauty, anti-aging content. The goal of the channel is to educate, inspire, and uh, educate, inspire people to take control of their health by using natural strategies and their own potential. Also to earn full-time income while traveling and retire from practice. Question, is it okay to create tutorials and YouTube shorts to draw on viewers, identify the high-performing ones, and then later embed parts of those into longer-form videos or reverse direction if that's okay? Technically, you can do that, yeah. You can use the shorts to figure out you know, what people respond to in the short shelf, but keep in mind that if somebody's in YouTube shorts, they're, they're expecting a different experience than if they're watching long-form content. So because of that, just because it translates well in YouTube shorts doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to translate well in longer-form content if you were to insert that in there. However, it's definitely something worth experimenting with so one thing for everybody here like if you have ideas like this because this is you know this is clever if you have ideas like this uh always you know you always be open to experimentation you know when you have these types of things um because this is a really good idea in terms of like hey if i have a short and it does well then you know how could i how could i use that in my longer form content um, that, that's a really great question. That's a, that's a really good um, experiment to run in terms of just seeing if using some of that maybe for part of the hook or something like that might might keep people in there. Um, definitely something to experiment with. So I, I think that you should try that. But um, but keep in mind that with YouTube Shorts, those do typically go in front of you know newer viewers first um, or people that you know haven't been experienced your content before. And when it comes to the longer form content, that will initially go in front of some new viewers, but also people that are already interacting with you in some capacity. So because of that, it, that, that expectation is going to be a little bit different too. So just make sure you're considering that when you're running your experiments. Super chat. Dell, thanks for the super chat. Says, I haven't started yet, but what are your thoughts on reaction channels? It's hard to find any good videos about running, growing a reaction channel. If you have any info, that would be useful. So when it comes to reaction channels, um, just as a heads up, um, 
When it comes to different content types, um, a lot of people will think, like they'll look around for like you, you know, you looking around for like how to grow a reaction channel. So when it comes to YouTube, the rules are mostly the same across pretty much every type of content. It all comes down to response. The difference is, different audiences respond to different things. So that's the difference, right? So for example, like if I were to tell you, hey, make sure that you put text in all of your thumbnails, then I would be misleading you if I didn't put in the disclaimer of, hey, you might wanna experiment with not having text in your thumbnails though, because for some types of content that ends up working out better, right? So because of that, um, when you watch my content or anybody else that does make you know helpful content for YouTube or that helps content creators, Make sure you are thinking of it from the perspective of all these channels, they share content about what works on YouTube, what YouTube wants from us, about how to make better videos and all of that. So therefore, what aspect of what it is that they're doing can I apply to what it is that I'm doing? So in your particular case, um, since you are looking for information about growing it, the disconnect is that you're thinking of needing to find information as it relates to a reaction channel instead of thinking of it as okay, how do you grow a YouTube channel in general? And then how can I apply that information to my reaction channel? So for example, if you're looking for information on how to grow a YouTube channel in general, then you'll probably end up running across information, at least if you're watching my content, about, about trends and writing trends. So in your case, if um, just specifically to reaction, um, if you're gonna be reacting to things, it's, in, it's to your advantage to react to things that are extremely popular at a moment in time. So for example, uh, if you go to trends.google.com, then that's YouTube, or not YouTube, but that's Google, and they'll show you web searches and they'll show you YouTube if you actually start exploring the things that people are looking for you know, at a high rates and you'll see interest over time and things like that. But you can go to trends.google.com and you can see what's trending right now, like within the last four hours, like you can see what's happening right now. And then when you start reacting to those types of things that are trending, then what you do is you're tapping into something that is already popular. Like people are already interested in it. They're already watching videos about it. They're already looking for information about it. They're already like into it. And YouTube detects that. And when they detect that, and then you react to something like that, then what you're doing is you are increasing the amount of people that your content is a good candidate for. So because of that, you want to definitely look into um, trends around the different things that you're reacting to. So for example, there was a gaming reaction, reaction channel in here earlier. For them, what they would do is they would use Google Trends to find games that people are looking for um, a lot or games that are you know, trending right now, games that are having breakouts you know, for particular you know, aspects of the games and things like that. And they would be reacting to those types of things based on the proven popularity of that game at this moment in time. Um, same exact thing goes like, for example, this isn't necessarily reaction, but it kind of is. So the, um, during the whole Johnny Depp thing that went down, um, there were several YouTube channels that just blew up during that time because what they were doing is they were making content about that thing that had just that humongous spotlight put on it at that moment in time. And because of that, they were able to capitalize on that moment in time to use it to get a serious boost in viewership on their YouTube channels. Some of them have went on to continue doing, you know, similar types of things and they just keep thriving and you can do that same exact thing. So what you wanna do is based on the things that you're reacting to, if you're reacting to like certain movies and things like that, instead of reacting to a movie that was made, you know, 30 years ago, you wanna to react to something that everybody's talking about right now. So then when it shows up on a homepage, then 
the amount of people that are going to be interested in that at this moment in time because of the heightened awareness about it is going to be much higher, which gives you a much greater opportunity to tap into that. So when you are considering your reactions, uh, I definitely would go into, I would look for things that are trending. So the tool that you want to use for that is free. It's provided by Google, but it's called trends.google.com is where you find it. You can find it on your phone or you know on a computer, but you want to go there and you want to start get you know paying attention to things that are trending. So here's an exercise that you want to do. Um, I actually had to do this for my news segment that I just started on my channel. You can actually catch up on that. You know to keep you up in the loop of what's going on on YouTube. I got it pinned to the top of the um, chat right now for everybody here. You know if you're not up to date on what's happening on YouTube. Make sure you go and watch that. If not, you know, right now, just do it after the stream. But um, when when I was doing the news thing, one of the things that I had to do is I had to make sure that the content that I was making, that I'd be able to, you know, react to it fast enough and that there was just enough information coming out that I'd be able to do it consistently. So for that, for one month, what I did is every Friday, which is when I do those segments, Throughout the week, I would actually keep track of, hey, these are things that, you know, these are articles that I've run across. These are, you know, blog posts that I've ran across. These are videos I've ran across. This is stuff YouTube is putting out, things like that. And I would start loading it into a doc over the course of the week. So that when Friday came, I would say, okay, these are all the different things that I would talk about. Which ones would I prioritize? And let's kind of do a trial run. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's just talk about this out loud to myself while I'm sitting over here in front of my computer. Let me just talk about this out loud to myself, see how I would be saying it, you know, and, and expressing this information that I have. And then I basically tested that to confirm that I would be able to do it consistently, at least for, you know, a month. <laughs> and, um, and by doing that, it just kind of helped me make sure that I had my resources in order and all of that and make sure that I would be able to react in time. So in your case, what I recommend that you do, since you're in that process right now, starting the channel, is while you're gathering you know, information, while you're thinking of your channel name, while you're getting your channel art together, while you're you know, thinking of exactly how you're gonna structure everything and all of that, I recommend that you do something similar and that you hop on Google Trends. You can actually make this, just as a heads up, if you are doing any of this on a computer, you can make it to where when your browser opens, that it opens certain windows for you. So depending on what you're reacting to, what you would wanna do is you'd wanna go ahead and everybody that tries to stay on top of trends do this also. But you set up your browser so that as soon as, like for example, when I hit Google Chrome, I have a series of windows that open up automatically every time I open Chrome. So what happens is out of all of those windows, it helps me stay up to date with everything that's going on, you know, related to YouTube. So I can make sure that I stay informed with updates that are happening and things like that. But now it's even more intense because I'm actually sharing like news about things that YouTube's changing as it relates to content creators. So I recommend you do the same. So take trends.google.com and any of the things that you are going to be reacting to or the type of content you're going to be reacting to, put that into Google Trends and then make sure that that's one of those things that one of those windows that opens up so that when you start your day, you can be like, hey, is this one that I want to react to or one that I could react to if I was recording content right now? And then if the answer is yes, just do a trial run. You don't have to actually record, but think to yourself, okay, how would I react to this? What would I say? How, you know, how would I put this together and start getting that together in your mind so that when it comes time to start making your video content, if you're not doing it already, then you can do that same exact thing. You open it up, you're like, oh, hey, here's a thing. Let me make a video about that really quick, right? That's the idea. So hopefully that helps. I'm gonna check on something here really quick. On... Okay, there we go. All right, so uh, next up on our list here, the next question 
Um, Dell says, thank you so much. Using Google Trends is something that completely went over my head. Yeah, my pleasure. That's what I'm here for. So, so like when, um, so one thing to, one thing to think about is when you are, um, if you are setting up that cascade of windows that open up. So if there are, if you're going to be reacting to very, you know, specific, you know, very specific things, then, um, you know, based on, you know, certain topics and whatnot, then in that particular case, what I would do is if there's any like industry things that you can tap into anything like that, like go ahead and get those on that list um, so that you can just make sure that you're just like ready. So like, hey, if something pops up around the things that I react to, like I'm going to see it right so that I can make sure that I'm, you know, taking uh, taking that opportunity. But just as a heads up too, just so you know. If you go to Google Trends, um, you know, and I'll actually, I'll actually show you guys this really quick. Let me just open uh, Trends for you here really quick. And I, I'm just gonna show them how to do this because they're just getting started. So I wanna, I wanna just kind of help out here and make sure they've got the, got what they need. So let me, um, let me share my screen here really quick. Share screen, let me go to window, let me go to this tab here and share, let me add it to the stream. Okay. So uh, let me stretch this out a little bit. Okay. So when you're using this, uh, what you want to do um, in your particular case, of course, this is going to be dependent on exactly what it is that you're reacting to. But right when I load this up, when I go to trends.google.com, right now it actually has me located um, into Thailand because that's where I'm streaming from. But um, of course, you know, this will be located to you but right now i can see some stuff going on in thailand and, and all of that down here but in your version um you're going to see this based on wherever it is that you that you live in the world but one of the things that you can do here um is you can actually look for topics so let's say for example if i did um let's see here what's a movie that came out okay so i think bullet train i'm not sure if that one is uh if you're going to be reacting to movies for example so we see this, you know, heightened, you know, um, thing here on bullet train, you know, we have where it's shot up, you know, right here, we're going to isolate this down to technically you could do worldwide, but let's say you're like me and your audience is primarily in the U S then in that particular case, we're going to lock this into the United States. I'm going to take this down to, um, we'll say the past day here, um, for this, but we can see even over the day, how much, you know, people are, you know, looking for it and not. So this information right here, you can use, and you'll get more familiar with this over time as you are you know, trying to hop on trending things, but you can use this over time to also look for patterns of interest throughout the day. So you know the right time to publish the content as well. So keep that in mind, that's, a, that's like a little hidden pro tip there. <laughs> but um, in addition to this, you can look at your web search here, and you can also look at YouTube search. So here we can look at the interest on YouTube, you know, over the um, over the course of the day. But if we take this back, like let's say um, let's say over the last seven days, which you, you don't want to go this far if you're trying to stay like on top of the trend. You want to go, you know, through the day. But basically, when we're looking at it here, we can say this is actually on the decline um, over the last seven days. So therefore, this is something that we might not necessarily want to make a video on because it's on the way down, not on the way up. Okay. But if we were to do the same thing, like let's say you're doing gaming stuff, I'll just do Call of Duty right here because I know we got a lot of gamers hanging out. So if you're going to do something similar, um, then we can see, you know, the same exact thing over the over the last seven days. But let's say that, 
you're deciding like what games to play, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you can also do the same exact thing here if you're starting a channel to where you can start looking at it, you know, over time to see like, hey, is this something that's on the rise? Is this something that's on the decline? And you can sort by different date ranges so you can just kind of figure out, hey, is this something that people are interested in, you know, more or less over time? And here we see that we're starting to get like a little bit of an uptick here. So we can start to use that as, hey, let's kind of drill in on this just a little bit here. And let's go down to like the last 30 days. We see that we also have a little bit of bump over here. So because of this, you know, this might be, you know, something that, you know, if you're getting into Call of Duty content, that can be, you know, um, helpful. But here's something that that is even more important for this. So remember that you can look for this on YouTube and the web. So you want to make sure that you are looking at YouTube, which we also see a rise here in this particular case as well. But another place that you can use this, if we break this down to like, let's say the last seven days, or we'll do the past day here because we're trying to stay current. As we scroll down here, this is this is the area that you want to pay really close attention to. So you can one see the related topics about other things that people are talking about to help you find additional things. So here it looks like there's been a little bit of a breakout or uh, Tom Clancy Ghost Recon seems to be on the rise a little bit. We can see that down here. So that means that that might be something to consider. Um, I'm not sure if this is a game or not, but if this is a game, this is also having you know quite an increase in, um, in interest right now. So this also might be a thing to make a, a video on in that particular case. Uh, of course, you can go to top as well, but rising is what you want to look for. Um, down here, we have more of these over here as it relates to Call of Duty specifically. So here we would look for things about things that you could actually, you know, make videos about. So here, Call of Duty, um, Black Ops, Cold War, multiplayer. So one, if you're making this type of content, you would understand the context here. So for example, if they just put out a multiplayer, you know, a multiplayer like split screen or something like that, and if that's why everybody's excited about it, then you could be like, hey, I'm gonna make a video on this multiplayer, you know, split screen thing. And you would see that this has a 250% increase in, um, in interest right now. Um, on the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare trailer, this is another one. Um, in this particular case, it has a 160% increase in interest, which means that if you were going to react to something, you could react to this trailer, right? And since there's this increase in viewership, then you're increasing your, your chances, essentially, of getting in front of more people um, by reacting to this for if you were reacting to, you know, gaming-related um, things. But you can just click through the pages here, and you can see, you know, and you can pick the different things, you know, that would fit into whatever it is that you're going to be reacting to. So when it comes to, you know, using this, um, that can be extremely advantageous in all different ways. Other ways that you can use this for those of you that have never seen this before is let's say, for example, we were to compare this over here to Fortnite. Then what we can do here is we can also start comparing Fortnite to Call of Duty and see what it is that people are you know most interested in there. So we can see here that Fortnite is getting a lot more interest right now over the past day than Call of Duty. So then when you're trying to come up with you know hey which you know video should I make and all of that, then you also need to take that into consideration if you are somebody that's going to be riding trends. If you're going to be starting a channel and you're thinking to yourself, hey, you know, what I'm going to, what am I, you know, going to be, um, you know, which thing that I'm, I love Fortnite and I love Call of Duty, but which one do I make it, want to make a channel about? Which one has, you know, the, the best potential for me? Um, you can also use this comparison tool to look for things like that as well in terms of like, okay, it looks like Fortnite is slowly dropping off over time, whereas Call of Duty is very rock solid consistent, but overall Fortnite's still winning. But Call of Duty seems, you know, a lot more, you know, consistent. So that viewership might be a little bit more um, uh, dependable compared to, you know, very fluctuating Fortnite, which is probably dependent on different updates they do and things like that, because I play Fortnite too. 
but with Call of Duty, we also see again that it's here on the rise a little bit. But you can see here, um, they even break this down like geographically and all that, but that same exact thing applies here when you're doing that comparison to where you can come down here and you can get you know just different information here um, to where you can see these breakouts. Fortnite Squid Game, Fortnite Battle Pass, Song, Indiana Jones, Fortnite. So some of these you wouldn't even be able to make a video about really, um, but you know, if you keep up to date on this on a regular basis, then you will find those things that, um, that, that, you know, that will matter for you. But anyway, when it comes to this, the idea here is that, um, that you can use this in a bunch of different ways. So another one of these is like, um, for example, you know, one of the things that, that I promote from my channel is TubeBuddy. So another way that I use this personally is if I'm trying to, you know, um, get it, you know, my videos in front of people and help them respond to something based on how they are looking for it. I'll do this type of comparison too. When I have these types of things, you know, like two words versus one words, one word so that I can make sure that the way that I'm putting my, my title together is going to resonate with a higher amount of people based on how they think of what it is that I'm making content about, right? So here over the last 12 months, um, it looks like people are looking for TubeBuddy as one word more over the last year than, um, than they are looking for it as separate words. Not a huge difference. It used to be much bigger, but it's not a huge difference, but you know, but it's there in that way. And I can use that to write my titles in a way that, that, that the people that I'm trying to reach are thinking about that if they're looking for it in search. So, um, so you can use trends in a, in a lot of, you know, in a lot of fun ways. Um, but you know, if you just go in there, start exploring and really start putting your thinking cap on in terms of, you know, how can I really utilize this for what it is that I'm trying to do? It'll help you a ton. Driver Sensei, thanks for Super Chats. Come on, people, you can't tell me these aren't remarkable gems from Nick. Who else is uh, going through all of this, helping us improve our channels? Thank you for the Super Chat and the kind words. I appreciate that, massive. Um, six shots is how to handle track. YouTube workload before one goes full time. So um, when it comes to the YouTube workload, the, 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 the hardest part is going to be, you know, continuing to, you know, just make videos and all that, making sure you're consistent there. So you got to make sure that you are, you got to make sure that you are, uh, you know, prioritizing that over all the other things that, you know, that you can kind of get lost in because you got to keep doing the thing in order to do the thing, right? So you want to make sure that you are prioritizing just making the content um, in general on the workload side. So what I recommend that you do is go ahead, if you can, go ahead and get a few videos in the can. And what I mean by that, make some videos, put them on a hard drive, um, you know, just kind of have them there ready uh, so that in the event that you can't be consistent, life gets in the way, something like that, you have some extra videos on hand that you can just go ahead and drop into those spots. So a great way to do this is get ahead. So let's say you are three or four weeks ahead. And then in that case, every video that you are making now, you're having one of those drop off, right? So you're essentially making all your videos a month in advance. By doing that, you'll have much more peace of mind, that whole burnout thing and stress that you can feel by being on the hamster wheel kind of uh, lessens a little bit. And, uh, and then that also will ensure that you can consistently put out content for a long period of time. Um, Driver Sensei says, if you all want advice outside of YouTube, I say consider being a member and joining the exclusive group. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, Create Imperfect says Super that I'm starting a channel in a niche that is dominated by women doing research. I found that the viewer is also women. Any tips on how to attract a viewer and grow an audience who has a different demographic? So if you are going into that space um, that is mostly dominated by women, then you will have, uh, you know, women, you know, primarily women viewership, um, just as long as you're ready for that and you, you know, embrace that, I think you'll be okay. 
Um, keep in mind that with some types of content, people do just resonate towards, you know, one or the other. So, um, so because of that, you know, just keep that in mind when you're starting it, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or that you shouldn't try it. I'm just saying if it's typically, um, you know, uh, dominated by women, then there's a, there's, you know, probably a reason for that. And that reason could just be that, you know, guys aren't as interested in making content about it. I'm not sure, but if the viewership and the creators are both women, um, then, you know, you might be that fresh breath that everybody needs that fresh breath of air, um, for, you know, for, you know, it, for them having an option of somebody else to somebody else to watch, so to speak. But in, in terms of, you know, attracting a, you know, a totally different demographic like that, um, I'm not exactly sure what that niche is. If I knew what the niche was, I'd be able to, to, to give you some more information on it. But since I don't know the actual niche, it's a little bit harder to, you know, to define. Like I see here that you have create imperfect, but I don't think that that's the one because I think that's where you are, you know, uh, doing more, you know, creator based stuff. And with that, it's not necessarily dominated by women in that capacity. So, um, so I, I, I wish I knew the actual demographic to to give some additional information there. Um, it's a terrorist kind super of thing. Um, thank you for the super chat as well. I super appreciate it. Um, says that. First off, um, you're absolutely amazing. My, thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Says, my question is, why am I seeing my revenue decrease a little? I have no copywriter issues, um, so I'm confused. Thank you. So ad revenue on YouTube, it does fluctuate. Um, that fluctuation is based on the demographics of the people watching your content. So for example, if you have a primarily like Western audience where they get higher ad rates, then in that particular case, your ad rates are gonna be higher. But let's say you publish a piece of content and that particular piece of content or a few pieces of content for that next 30 days is getting a higher response from lower tier advertising countries. Then in that case, that will cause your CPMs to uh, to drop in that case because of where they're viewing the content from. Um, and in addition to that, the topics themselves will also uh, get different types of ad rates based on the specific topic that you're talking about also. Um, and there's just general ad inventory. So with ad inventory, how that can make things change is like, let's say that during the holidays, um, historically on YouTube, during the holidays, people typically make more ad revenue because advertisers are spending more because of the holidays, right? Because people are buying gifts and things like that. Um, whereas, you know, after the holidays are over, people typically see their ad rates drop because advertisers start kind of reeling in those campaigns pains um, at that moment in time, you know, after the holidays are over. So, um, so because of that, that's why your um, ad rates are fluctuating. So on that note, I do want to let you know that my uh, brother D and Daniel Patel right now are um, live over on the StreamYard channel where they are um, looking at YouTube channels. They're doing reviews. They're giving you like tips, pulling channels up on screen, you know, trying to help people out that way. So what's going to happen is I'm going to hit in broadcast here. When that happens, that's going to automatically send you right over to their stream where you can go ahead and start participating. The way that they do it over there is really fun. So all you have to do is participate and uh, and then your channel, you know, can just be pulled up on screen and they can give you a tip specific to, you know, to, to whatever it is that comes up in their spinny wheel thing that they do. But it's really entertaining to hang out um, and to watch. So I really recommend you head over there. But before you do, one thing that I do want to mention is if you're a new content creator, I know all this information that's coming out um, during these streams. I know sometimes it can, you know, sound like a lot of stuff or overwhelming. I do want to encourage you to, you know, uh, just work on what you can work on at this moment in time. And instead of trying to focus on doing all the things, you know, at one time, just, you know, work on doing something better over the course of this week, or maybe two things better over the course of this week. And then we'll be back here next week to do the same exact thing again, um, to, you know, give you more stuff that you can go and apply to your YouTube channel to see how it works out for 
for you. So hopefully you can be one of those channels that come in here, you know, in the future, hopefully in the near future, that's like, hey, Nick, been hanging out in your live streams, just crossed 50,000 subscribers, you know, awesome information. Thanks. Hopefully you'll be one of those people too. <laughs> so thank you so much for hanging out. Everybody have an awesome rest of your weekend. Stay safe out there. And again, this is going to send you right over to their stream. So, um, so I will see you uh, over there. Have a great week.